Princess Leia pens her first movie, Emma Stone earns an easy A, and other celebrities sing this week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years ago to celebrate the greatest anniversaries in movies, TV, television, TV and television? Oh, do we dare. Video games, music, and more, and uh, some other odds and ends here. My, the oddest bit of news, I think, that will get <laughs> the most of us talking in a weird way. Hi, one of your hosts, Chris Santista, who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman. I rob Ahmed Kaz and Harvard Yard. <laughs> <laughs> nice town. It's me, Sharon. I got a pocket, got a pocket full of sunshine. I got to love and I know that it's all mine. <laughs> Those are teasers oh, for man. what we got coming up and right up the top. Yeah, I got to You got to honestly, I feel like the best part of the show is going to be in 2010. And that's yes. not, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. yeah. A lot of there is a lot of good stuff spread out all over the place, but I think the favorite movies are in 2010. Yeah. Well, some of them, I mean, I had a great time uh, last night. I did a double feature with two of the nineties movies that we'll be talking about celebrating 30 anniversaries. Uh, Got to shout out our executive producer, Patty O'Rourke, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash lasertime. This week you're getting a new episode of Sick of Star Wars, a new 302010 Games Edition with Chris Baker returning to bring his blast from the past uh, into context of the games from 302010 years ago, as well as the boys from Video Game Apocalypse, um, and something else. What I have like 60 things I'm trying to edit at the same time. It's a, it's a pleasant nightmare. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoy that. Patreon.com slash lasertime. Five bucks is all we ask from you guys. We really do appreciate your support for keeping us going this long. Anyway, back to 302010. This week we'll be covering the week of September 11th through 17th. I still get uncomfortable every time I say September 11th, but I didn't even think about it. We won't cover that until a year from today. (laughs) Uh, Oh, goodness. We start, as always, as 1990, September 11th through the 17th. And uh, we usually, we've been mentioning at the top of the show that Ghost is number one at the box office this week, real, real steadily. Uh, America loves watching uh, Ghost Patrick Swayze seduce Demi Moore. But Unchained Melody is getting a lot of airplay 25 years after its release, thanks to Ghost. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bobby Hatfield re-records it, and it enters the top 40 this week. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yes. That's pretty crazy. Like, uh, I'm sure it's a phenomenon that's happened before where a contemporary movie has reinvigorated an older song to the point where it hits you know it charts again yeah mm-hmm. but it can't happen that often like it would be pretty interesting to look at yes. how many times that's happened it's always it's, notable the last happened a fair number of times i actually was listening to a podcast where they talked about stand by me and how many uh-huh. different times stand by me has crept back into the charts for a couple reasons including the movie or how yeah. like in the uk the killers <laughs> mr brightside has never left the charts Apparently well, that's because it's a fucking awesome song. That's why. <laughs> the last one I remember, I believe, I think Honda used a Willy Wonka song in one of their commercials, and yeah. it shot to the as a single shot to the top of iTunes, which is the kind of thing you can only do once people could buy songs individually. Because I know, like, oh, that's a cute Willy Wonka song, seventeen dollars. I'm not paying that much <laughs> to listen to this stupid song once. Yeah, uh, that was the cover of Pure Imagination. I'm pretty sure. Yes, it, it just was Pure Imagination. Yeah. 
I oh, think, was it the original? Yeah, my like it was the original, but I think just the vocals or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, and I'll—I don't know why I wrote it down. Michael Jackson writes "Do the Bartman" this week. I, that's in, in your Simpsons nudes. I know, Coming huff up. and puff, Coming not up. for another two months. Um, <laughs> welcome to 1990 movies. We have made it, everyone. Oh, we have so many. Yeah, so and very. They're very so many. diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and okay. I've, because we have so many, we have to run through a couple of these. I, fast. I, one I wanted to talk about a little more because that's the one I watched. Okay. But uh, but Death Warrant with Jean Claude Van Damme, Robert Guillaume. I hope they're cops. Uh, Cynthia Gibb and George Dickerson. That one we did not watch. Sorry, JCVD fans. Um, uh, well, no, this is one where he's he's undercover in a prison. Oh. But I guess the thing that stands out is like it's supposed to be pretty good, but mm-hmm. it is the first script written by David S. Goyer. He was really? still in film school, and that's the guy that's written. Oh, geez, you know, Man of Steel and all the Dark Knight ruined. Movies I would say all the, the you know <laughs> the Blade movies and wow. Batman, Batman Begins. Yeah, yeah. Batman Begins mm. and uh, yeah, uh, a lot of things that they don't like. Some that I've heard are okay. And I'll try and make this fast because I. Oh, but also Dark City. Oh God, I forgot he wrote Dark right. City. Fucking Dark City rules. Uh, I fell in love with. Uh, Richard Stanley's Hardware. And I know we've <laughs> talked about it on another podcast. I think even this podcast, maybe in that show mm-hmm. we did, Sarah, documentaries about making movies, Lost uh-huh. Souls, about the unmaking of the island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, yeah. Richard Stanley was an up-and-coming director, signed on to make his dream project, turn his favorite book into a movie, and Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando fucking ruined it. And it's one. It's it's not terrible enough to have a fun watch with, but that documentary, Lost Souls, is excellent where the director gets fired from the project, hides out in the woods and sneaks back on the set as an extra. It's a great story, but it ruined Richard Stanley's career um, forever. Uh, I'd say forever, but then last year, uh, Color Out of Shape, he came back for the first time since the Island of Dr. Romer incident and has another movie along the way. 30 years ago, Hardware was his breakthrough movie. Mm-hmm. And it was it's it's one of those things I would press aspiring filmmakers to have a look at, especially horror fans. It stars uh, Carl McCoy, Iggy Pop vaguely. He's like the Wolfman Jack on the radio. Uh, John Lentz, Stacey Travis, and Dylan McDermott. But it is an apocalyptic horror movie that like makes itself seem much bigger than it is. Mm. A couple of Moroccan yeah. exteriors. It is kind of Terminator in an apartment in an unsettling future where we uh, have mechanized limbs and AI goes out of the control and it's like a slow moving Terminator shot on a budget. And it's, it's hilarious. It just, except that imagine Terminator, if he moved really slow and it was an awkward robot, but also had morphine needles for fucking teeth. (laughs) That's, that's what this movie is. And it's disgusting. It's wonderful. And it is like clearly done on a very, very small budget. And you can see this dude's talent. Why Hollywood eventually came calling. Like this guy's got a real good eye for shit. Hardware. I I really recommend it. It is. It is a movie that looks way more expensive. Yeah. Like, it, you do want to see what this guy can do with a budget. Yeah. You know, what he did with, like, about a million bucks. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, like, he does a whole bunch of world building. And, you know, the, the robot is kind of spooky. Uh, he ended up getting sued because it was really similar to a story that was in a Judge Dredd annual. Uh, which, like, <laughs> that, that kind of, that tracks. This, there's a Judge Dredd thing going on here. I mean, Just in the UK. The fucking bleakness of it. Yeah. In the UK, yeah. Judge Red was huge and like unavoidable. Here, here, yeah. I don't know a ton of fans except for that Carl Urban movie. That shit was awesome. But that yeah, movie rules too. But yeah, just that he's doing a lot with so little mm-hmm. that 
Yeah, and now it's like a it's a total cult movie, and I, I mean, I feel like I don't know, I don't feel like it's not great, mm-hmm. but it is worth a watch, I, I especially think, if you're interested in budget filmmaking. We're 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 sitting. Our quarantine involves making little monsters for movies we think we're going to shoot, and for us, it was inspiring to watch this thing, just because like mm. you could do this, like <laughs> find, yeah, you could do this. This is this is clearly so. I mean, there's a lot of professional help there, but like you can see, you can see how it's made, and it, but it all still works as a movie. So it's one, I, I I loved it. Uh, Repossesses out with Leslie Nielsen, Linda Blair, Ned Beatty, and Anthony Stark. Is this a Leslie Nielsen comedy? Because I don't like those. Yeah, yeah. This is a the Exorcist comedy. Oh no! It's um. I'm sure there are people out out there who loved it as a child. You know, because know that's that's where it's aimed at. It's just you know, it's it's a parody of The Exorcist. It's fun that Linda Blair is in it and Leslie Nielsen is the Ex- is the the priest and uh yeah wacky goofy silly shit happens and you know uh i feel like there's wrestling involved i believe jesse ventura pops up and mean gene okerland yeah it's uh yeah it's cartoonish and dumb what what do you want it's cartoonish and dumb i didn't i didn't know this existed but yeah leslie nielsen in a comedy that doesn't have naked gun in front of it is always pretty disastrous in my opinion love that man though and then then we have a uh sean penn movie ed harris gary oldman robin wright uh, John Totoro, John C. Riley, also starring in State of Grace. A friendship stained by blood. Jimmy Cavallo keeps getting up in the morning till I say different. You got that? A love shattered by violence. I should have told him what you were. A man caught up by fear. It's 15,000. The minute he takes his last breath, you bring me his rat head, it's 30,000. And torn apart by betrayal. Well, who did you I say? don't want to do this anymore! Let's go! State of Grace. Starts Friday, September. <laughs> uh, uh, I yeah. love when that guy butts in there. So here's one thing I just wanted to point out. Mm. You don't hear U2 in ads a lot. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when one of their buddies who directed a whole bunch of their stuff wow. makes a movie, U2 will kick some in for you. Oh, you made Rattle and Hum for us, bro. Okay. That's just, uh, are, you, are you making a mob movie now? Okay. That's, I, right I, you are. This was my uh, four girlfriends ago. This was her roommate's favorite movie. So I like watched it once like that's wow. pretty good. And then I got annoyed with how often it was on in a internetless DVD only household with no cable. I um, is yeah. fair. Mm. I love little stories like that where it's like some little weird movie we've never heard of except mm-hmm. for it's somebody's favorite movie. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> like another form of immortality where it's just kind mm-hmm. of like. You just you just don't know. Like going back to Love and Sex that we talked about a couple months ago. Like mm-hmm. it's my best friend's favorite movie, a movie nobody's heard of. And like just the other day we referenced it. Yeah. It's so I, fun. I, I I've been having a fun time with that on the internet just because the last couple of days I've seen the nineteen ninety nine film Dick come up and there's oh, yeah. been a clear dividing line of who knows what you're talking about and who's like, <laughs> What the fuck is is that Will Ferrell as Carl Bernstein? What yeah. is happening? <laughs> That's what how I feel about, about Shag the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. So State of Grace uh, is really underrecognized and underrated. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty solid mob movie, specifically more Irish mob and Irish versus Italian mobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Oldman is fucking great in it. Mm. And it kind of got buried because of a movie coming out next week that's also about the mob with a bit of more of a pedigree than Guy Who Made Rattle and Hum. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And that's a real shame because, yeah, State of Grace is 
it's pretty dang good, man. If you like the Departed, yeah, I bet Ooh. you would like State of Grace. That's yeah. right. That's right. We watched it in a double feature because he's a big Sean Penn fan with Pope of Greenwich Village, and that's that's the one. Mm. It, it, that's the one I've ended up watching more. So I, sorry to State of Grace. Um, and next we have <laughs> White Hunter Blackheart. That's speaking mm. of movies that well, if you like one movie, you're gonna like the other. I hope you've seen The African Queen, or else this ain't gonna make any fucking sense. <laughs> oh, is this is this Clint Eastwood's in it with Jeff Fahey, George Dzunza, Alan Armstrong, and Marissa Berenson? But did he direct this too? Yeah. So he wanted to make his own African Queen. I see. White Hunter Blackheart. John Wilson, a brilliant, don't give a damn type filmmaker who continually violated all the unwritten laws of the motion picture business, yet had the magic, almost divine ability to always land on his feet. Paul, I hope I don't have to kill you before this picture's finished. He's always been like that. No, he's worse than ever. He's insane. In a well-ordered society, he'd be in a straitjacket right now. I want to see this now. <laughs> I did not know that was what this is about. Filming yeah, this, mm. it's about filming The African Queen, and oh. Clint Eastwood plays not John Huston. Huh. And not John Huston it wants to film this movie in, in Africa starring his drinking buddy and this, like, <laughs> cool old acting broad. And he's got basically, like, his, you know, assistant Jeff Fahey, and he keeps avoiding doing the actual work because he's obsessed with killing an elephant. And... Jeff Fahey's like, what the fuck are you doing? No, you you shouldn't kill an elephant. It's a crime. It's it's horrible. It's a crime against nature. He says, no, 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 it's not a crime. It's a sin to kill an elephant. And that's why I want to do it. It is a hell of a character. Wow. And I, I look, I, I think just like most even younger people, I moan and groan at Clint Eastwood's name. But like, I kind of like, lo I secretly love every movie he makes. I just saw Richard Jewell. It was fantastic. <laughs> you saw what? Richard Jewell. Oh, boy. It was awesome. It's amazing. It's great. Huh? <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's a little bit of stuff in there I, you know, I don't care for. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The mule fucking <laughs> saw it a play and loved it. Why am I? I have to Seriously. publicly be mad at Clint Eastwood, even though like, oh, my secret shame, Clint Eastwood movies. You cannot like the guy and appreciate he's a fantastic filmmaker. Yeah. True. Yeah, even uh, though he, and, he, the filmmaker they're describing is not him. He is the like most on budget, one take, we got it, who cares? Yeah, Please exactly. hold he up trusts, this. He trusts the actors to be professional. You know what you're doing. I don't need to tell you too much and just, okay. <laughs> Here's a fake baby Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hold it by the legs. Yeah. Good. And I, I've seen a couple different actors say that he doesn't say cut. He says, oh, that's enough of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, who knows? Probably a good dude as well. Um, yeah, well, but uh, yeah, no. White Hunter Blackheart is is kind of a buried treasure in his filmography, and huh. it's just it's tough though because if you haven't seen The African Queen or you've never seen John Huston in anything, mm -hmm. you would think like, well, he's doing kind of a weird voice. What is he yes. doing? Mm. And it's like he's not doing a John Huston impersonation, but he's. He's trying to capture an essence, so it's mm -hmm. it's kind of weird. The only way I was able to con uh, I was able to convince Brett who John Huston was, I'm like Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, Gandalf. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. He's like, oh, okay, I know the voice. I'm like, I know, I know the voice. Um, nah, he's not an amazing filmmaker or nothing. Sure, no. I mean, this is Brett we're talking know. about. You guys remember him? I know. Um, his hair looks amazing. Check out his Instagram. Uh, and yeah, I guess so, you, you, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of, yeah, a, a recommend, especially if you want adventure stories or you're like me and you just love the African queen cause it's a cool movie. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah, Fitz that didn't kill everybody involved. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, 
is would you call this they, they didn't they deliberately didn't call it the African Queen or that this is John Houston? I'm guessing no, for... it's it's fictionalized. It's based on a book that's fictionalized. Okay, so, so this is semi biographical, whereas our next right. movie is semi autobiographical. Definitely. King of the segways, Christopher is uh, Rob Reiner, uh, Gene Hackman, Dennis Quaid, uh, Shirley MacLaine, and Meryl Streep. And number one at the box office this week, Postcards from the Edge. Of all our relationships, are you sure I didn't sleep with you? Sleep? Yeah. There is none so strange. They're from the guy who pumped my stomach. Or so powerful. No! Relax, they're blank. As those between families. Remember my 17th birthday party when you lifted your skirt up? It's world up! And you weren't wearing any underwear. Postcards from the Edge. Well, a Mike Nichols film. Oh, oh from the canon, this one definitely belongs in the queer the, canon, I'm pretty sure. I, I, mm. Even if it doesn't, I I have avoided watching this movie in full for a long time. Back when I had those budget yeah. encore movie channels, it was on every other day. Yeah. Did you think it was a chick flick? I did. And, and like I'd seen uh-huh. clips of it and I watched it. Now I'm doing, you know, we have a new episode of Sick of Star Wars coming out and looking more into Carrie Fisher and just like, you know, she was, people are more familiar with this now after her death, but she's like, she was a script doctor for quite a bit of her career. And Mm -hmm. she's also incredibly funny off the cuff. And this, Mm -hmm. like, this movie holds up incredibly well. Mm -hmm. It's still funny in like a modern way. Oh, yeah. As opposed to like most comedies we'll talk about. Genuine, genuinely great great quips i don't know why she couldn't play herself in this movie but well i guess her her mom did uh try to get the shirley mclean part mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. would have been extra weird to have debbie, debbie reynolds in there as a version of herself yeah. <laughs> yes that's often not flattering <laughs> that's that's the only way this movie gets made today it would have to be two people playing versions of themselves well it's such so i watched this for the first time this weekend mm-hmm. and it is a strange watch because if you don't know this movie is based on is basically a semi-autobiographical story of Carrie Fisher and her mother Debbie Reynolds mm-hmm. and later on I think Carrie Fisher denied that it was totally autobiographical but I think everyone kind of like winks and nods towards that it's really kind of hard to watch it right now because it's like oh that's Meryl Streep mm-hmm. like Meryl Streep is much more Meryl Streep today in 2020 than she was in 1990 i think and Mm so it's even harder to like separate meryl streep i feel like it's getting harder to separate her from her characters and so now watching it i'm like there's meryl streep playing carrie fisher there's shirley (laughs) mcclain playing debbie reynolds like it just it's it's a fun watch because it's so hard to like untangle all these like iconic women from each other that's that's another thing i had written down is incredible because most of the time when you see meryl streep she's playing like this person of huge historical importance or she's doing a popular impression or playing someone of huge social importance like i haven't seen her play just a chick in like a long time and like yeah and she's also kind of a smoke show <laughs> like, I know, like she looks really great in this fucking movie and she's just just playing a normal person um yeah. and she's, well, she's like she's struggling you yeah. know she she seems to have had something of an acting career mm-hmm. and uh, then she ODs and goes to rehab and she comes out and she's got like shitty bit parts and like her trailer is like a closet and people talk shit about her like practically to her face. And mm-hmm. yeah, she's like a regular schmuck like everybody else. Yeah. Well, and her she's also like working through the trauma as a lot of 
addicts do of her younger years and Mm -hmm. the trauma that all of our parents put us through. But sometimes maybe when your mother is a extremely famous actress who got chewed up by the studio system, maybe your childhood might be a little bit more traumatic than most people. So she's also dealing with that while in the midst of trying to maintain her sobriety. It's just, it's a really fascinating uh, slice mm -hmm. of life from, a slice of life that nobody else well, yeah. experiences. Like, yeah. You know, well, like, I don't know. There was there is one slice of life that's like, well, that just nailed me hard. Mm-hmm. That she's like, Dennis Quaid is just like coming onto her super strong, and her response to being in this like intimate romantic situation is to make little sarcastic jokes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit, they seen me. They know <laughs> someone went back in time and told somebody. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't. It's it's strange to recommend this, but I can't recommend this enough. I thought I, I had a great, great time with it, and it was just it's, little me watching it. And you know what? It's mm-hmm. it was kind of hit me right at the right time because I, I was watching it with Sam this weekend, mm-hmm. and I had just finished the You Must Remember This series on mm-hmm. Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. And I had just watched Judy from last year with Renee Zellweger. <laughs> oh. And I had so much rage watching this movie about how Hollywood chews women up and destroys them until and, and gaslights women basically into almost nothingness. And coming off of those three things, like those three pieces of media, which really shows you like how much Hollywood, especially old Hollywood, destroyed women Mm -hmm. um their women stars is like it was a very interesting time to watch it and i recommend all these pieces of media i just recommended uh, or i just talked about especially judy um but it i just it just makes you feel a lot of compassion for these women yeah Mm -hmm. well that's what i had totally forgotten about the generational aspect of it it's like obviously meryl streep's character is messed up because she grew up in a messed up sort of household with Mm -hmm. the mom who is you know very overbearing and very flamboyant and a heavy drinker. A professional and drinker. Uh, yeah, you realize, oh, she's that way, A, because of the Hollywood system, because her mother pushed her mm-hmm. into into the Hollywood system. And that this is like, she's like the most successful version of coming out of that system, and she is damaged as fuck. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to see Shirley MacLaine, like there's a scene where she's in the hospital after a uh, accident happens, and, you know, she's kind of lamenting, like, oh, can you put some makeup on me? The press is out there. My mm-hmm. eyebrows never grew back My after eyebrows. the studio shaved them. <laughs> you know, but it's just like, yeah, the, these these women were just like pieces of clay to the studio. They, mm-hmm. they just treated them like garbage and used them up until hopefully they aged out of the system or died young. <sighs> Sorry, I still have a lot of rage about it. No, it, 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 it and I only yeah. say that's, that's weird because of the other movies you mentioned. Like this is, it's a much kinder portrayal of, yes. than any of those other films mothers. And like, I, that's why mm. I'm a little confused as to why Carrie Fisher g- jumps back and forth and saying, this is really my story. This isn't really my story. Uh, I, I was ge- tragically, I would guess she was waiting for her mother to die, which, you know, Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, still hurts. It's, it's still, yeah. it's still one of the most tragic things in the universe. Again, the, the, the I think the last time, I almost cried in front of my parents. Like I had to run into the bathroom, <laughs> like just turning on the news today. What? Carrie Fisher died and her mother died 24 hours later. <sighs> anyway, sorry. Postcards yeah. from the edge is but celebrate both of those ladies and, um, and a good Mike Nichols movie. Even beyond my rage talking about it, like it is not a, uh, sad and depressing movie. Oh, no, it's so not. I, I don't oh, want to put that. I just, 
it is actually a very fun celebration movie. The scene of Meryl, they have a party for Meryl Streep, and then she sings a musical number, and then Shirley MacLaine sings a musical number right after her. Mm-hmm. is such a joyful scene. It really shows like wonderful contrast between the two of them, and I absolutely love it. And also, I love Dennis Quaid when he goes blonde and plays a himbo. <laughs> <laughs> I always love him in that mode. <laughs> And uh, yeah, great cast because it's Mike Nichols, your closer guy, your graduate guy. Yeah, he yeah. Knows also Richard Dreyfus is in it too. Yeah, yeah, and Gene Hackman in very small roles. Gene yeah. Hackman is fantastic in this. He really is. I've missed that dude, even though he's not yeah. dead yet. Uh, and Jesus, television is almost as crazy. Chockful. Nineteen ninety. Oh, um, nine nine <laughs> September eleventh to the seventeenth of nineteen ninety. This is funny. I read about this a while ago, so my details could be incorrect. The Christian Broadcast Network rebrands as the Family Channel, which Mm -hmm. just uh, then became the Fox Family Channel, and then just the Family Channel, ABC Family Channel, and now it's Freeform saying, like, we don't have a theme. We'll just play stuff that we think people will watch. I think (laughs) the theme is tweens and teens of... Yeah, something like that. Of the feminine it's, it's, persuasion? It's almost... Uh, is it? I mean, it's just... I see, like, a bunch of Harry Potters and shit. Um, well, yeah. That's around... I mean, they, they're they the ones that do the 31 days of Halloween and then the 25 yeah. days of Christmas hell where yeah. they just... Their programming is, like... Ugh, well, that is like, a family channel tradition. But this is, this is funny in that the Christian Broadcasting Network was, like, a loose affiliate of a bunch of other little networks. And then I forget exactly how this worked, but it predates Nick at Night. Like, they just start... You know, we can't have people babbling about God all fucking day. <laughs> so they start running like saccharine 1950 sitcoms and shit. And they start noticing like these are doing better than our preacher shows. And then they <laughs> they create this cable channel. And it turns out this nonprofit is now – network is now incredibly profitable. <laughs> and they ha- so they basically have to take this – the CBN has to get rid of it. Because it is, it becomes an incredibly popular venture, and it, it, are you telling me that the Christian Broadcast Network producered themselves? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and and then bizarrely, uh, kids my age, because I think we were just talking about, they used to rerun Bobby's World, and, and I, every morning, and I would watch that. But you would have to endure Talked about that last week. The Seven Hundred Club, which oh, was God. was part of the deal, we're no longer the, part of the Christian Broadcasting Network. But Pat Pat Robertson is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, his 700 club hat like is was contractually required to air for another decade or two so you like it was in, i was used to like news being on before my cartoons but like not this hyper christian shit and up to the hd era anyway that's it's now the family channel talking about shocking that someone's still alive yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's still doing that show yeah um uh babes debuts this week i believe a sitcom produced by uh dolly parton and, and, and I, I just saw a bunch of people realized only the other day that it was like, yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was produced by Dolly Parton's company. Oh, it was? Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. And, wow. and this, this show. Yeah, Sand Dollar Productions. That's Dolly Parton. She's been, she produced Babes. This show I remember. whole season. I remember watching because it was on after The Simpsons and it got a huge bump and did well in the ratings. Critics liked it. It is seems very untraditional then and now. A show that stars three of. Uh, what would, what would you say? <laughs> Overweight women, women? Women of size. Women of size. And it was pretty ribald. I still remember a joke from it. Like, I'm going to donate my bra to the homeless shelter. And like, what the hell is a homeless person going to do with your bra? He's like, move into it. And, <laughs> and, and, as, and, and 
as a kid, I thought that shit was hilarious. It was definitely a little more fierce than other sitcoms. I have a little promo just because, like, if you're watching The Simpsons, you got told, like, three times during commercial breaks to keep watching after, after The Simpsons is over. Babes! You lost, aren't you? Nutrisystem's on the third floor. It's funny and robust, says The Washington Post. Let's pump some iron! It has a lot of thigh and a lot of heart. Step one. We weigh you. Let's go to step two, Vince. Babes, following The Simpsons Thursday. <laughs> That's the go to a gym in the first episode. Oh, boy. Uh, again, there's a lot of notable television for a little kid me like this. Uh, on the 15th, Captain Planet and the Planet Tears debuts. Nobody's favorite show that everybody has somehow seen. And mm-hmm. I believe well, that... Well, it went for six seasons. Yeah, that was oh, yeah. a little astonishing. I don't want to talk too much about it because I fucking like, never liked this show. But yeah. it came from a good place. It even had its own foundation that supported... like it's So the royalties from Shit Captain Planet Sold went to children. Um, Ted Turner was fiercely behind the idea of a show with an environmental message where Captain Planet, with the power of this multicultural group, would uh, summon with their rings... About earth, water, fire in heart. God damn it, Malik. <laughs> uh, and fight off basically eco-terrorists with a, with, and the voice cast is insane. I think James Coburn is in there. It, 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 it And it aired, it was a, it was a production of Deke, but it was, a Turner was behind it and it went for six seasons, I believe, because like he had bought Hanna-Barbera, Turn, Ted Turner, to basically populate its, the networks he kept starting. And then he created his own IP and had Hanna-Barbera continue to make it after Deke balked because it wasn't really about profit. It was about filling his airwaves. So it was locked up and all that. You might remember watching it with Two Stupid Dogs or Swat Cats, um, uh, <laughs> a cartoon I do. A lot of people fondly remember because um, if you ever played a Bill and Ted video game, most of them pretty terrible, a lot of times they were based on the cartoon. And the cartoon is notable for me for a bunch of reasons, and I can highlight them for you now. Uh, I don't. This rarely happens when they make a cartoon based on a popular movie. They got, like, the whole voice cast to yeah, come back and, and play along crazy. for the first season. And, and you can hear it in the intro to the show. George Carlin introducing Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. I had been selected for a most important journey. I was to help fulfill the destiny of the two great ones, Bill and Ted. Wild Stallions rule! <laughs> and, and if I may, oh I was re-watching a, this, this, this song is so wonderfully 80s, 90s. Oh, let's hear the, the end of the song about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure cartoon. Oh. Excellent! Bill and Ted Bogus! Adventure's most outstanding every day. It's outrageous, so bodacious, hope is always on the way. Bill and Ted's Excellent <laughs> Adventures, it's a party, that's for sure. Bill and Ted's most excellent I've never heard anybody in that singing voice say the word bodacious, and it just it makes me smile this, ear to ear. This is definitely an episode of great theme songs yeah. because I just so to go bodacious. back to Captain Planet real quick. I'm pretty yes. sure most people don't really have a fondness for the actual show, right. just the theme. Song. The theme song, yeah. Captain Planet, here's a hero, gonna bring pollution down to zero. Mm-hmm. Um, the evil mm-hmm. and. Uh, another, Speaking of theme oh. songs, I mean, too. this whole 1990 is full of great. I know. I'm things. trying oh, again. I can't. I can't plug one. Bill and Ted face the music enough. By the way, that movie is a wonderful breath of fresh air that uh, you absolutely that need right now. Um, yeah. And 
Uh, we talk about this show on uh, Laser Time this week. We're talking about final performances lost in video games. Fifteen years after the last episode was ever produced, uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, the voice actors, did the performance in video games. But 30 years ago, it debuts. And this was just a godsend for me. Um, we got to hear a little bit of that theme. We're tiny. We're toony. We're all a little loony. And in this cartoony, we're invading your TV. Dose of comedy. I love it. Tiny Toons, it ho- most of it holds up pretty well. Your kids will love it and you won't hate it. Uh, it's available on Hulu. Uh, it, it's part of this is my childhood, but part of it is a very real animation boom that began, um, I, I, I like to think, with Roger Rabbit, but definitely with Little Mermaid. Mm. But Roger Rabbit especially uh, got Spielberg... I, I want to say smitten with animation, which he'd always has been, but it didn't seem like something he would ever work in. And then kind of ends up revitalizing it theatrically. And for the home viewer, Disney in the late eighties starts making television content. And at that point, television, the television animation was pretty cheap and pretty bad, pretty poorly written, uh, yeah. pretty awful. And I, I saw my friends watching uh, fucking Thundercats the other day. And I'm like, dude, that is just nostalgia. Like, <laughs> just fall asleep and pretend you're young again. That show <laughs> sucks. But uh, but but once the Disney stuff came along, Warner Brothers, in an effort to combat that and like start competing with Disney, brought on Amblin and Spielberg Productions. And you, it's just like it's like night and day for like syndicated cartoons of two years ago. And then when Disney Afternoon and Tiny Toons starts rolling. Uh, it's, it's, it should be shitty younger versions of the Looney Tunes characters going to college, but it's fucking awesome. It's perfect. I think it helps that it's younger versions and not just, you know, Jim Henson's Warner brothers babies. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not Looney Tunes babies, which would exist eventually, but it's, they're they're in college. So they also can have jobs and they can pursue careers and they can (laughs) kind of be anybody. And, you know, you Buster, Babs, Bunny, um, what Hampton J Pig? Even down to like Go Go Dodo, they all have like uh, this little sneezer. They all have variations. More women characters, though. I was talking about that with my girl. Like, are there any girl Looney Tunes? I'm like, Ugh, Petunia Pig, mm. uh, Lola Bunny, but very recently. And but uh, more women characters here. Fifi La, Fee, like the brilliant stroke of making the sexually aggressive skunk a woman instead of a man. <laughs> <for Tiny Toons. laughs> uh, but it's great. It's it's. It, it begins this period of Spielberg making some of the greatest televised animation, lavishly done with like hundred piece orchestras, not unlike old Looney Tunes. The score changed, uh, the comedy changed. It's, cartoons got really, really funny all of a sudden. And I, I think by the time you get into Animaniacs, I think they eventually were shipped off Fox because it's like there's no kids watching this; it's only adults like this. <laughs> and um, but I think it's great and and definitely worth a revisit, especially. The last Tiny Toons ever produced was a, a parody of Night Gallery and its oh Halloween theme. And they changed the theme song, like Freddy Krueger shit. And it's awesome. And you can find that on Hulu. Oh, there's so much. There's so much. So many shows debuting. And on the, like within a day, within a day, because yeah. this is <laughs> uh, within a day, another television <laughs> institution, a tentpole, debuts. It is time for Law and Order, baby. Hell yeah. Mm. <laughs> Who doesn't love that theme song? <laughs> I actually am like yeah. the least Law and Order fan of all my friends, but that's mm. by no means do I hate it. It is just 
it has a consistent cast, but it is very much an anthology show. You can watch it in any order you'd like. Exactly. Pick it up when you want to. It's just, yeah, the characters Mm -hmm. basically don't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting that it took so long. It it took two years to actually hit the air that uh, Dick Wolf, Mm -hmm. it's always fun to say Dick Wolf, um, he shopped it to Fox. I think they commissioned the pilot and they said no. Then he went to CBS. They said no and finally went to NBC. And it's like, it seems so obvious because it's half a cop show and half a crime show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you, you got the, the crime, which is basically a mystery. That's the first half of the show. Mm-hmm. And then you got the courtroom drama. And part of uh, Dick Wolf's thinking was like, we're used to seeing the lawyers as the bad guys. But if they're the prosecutors, they can seem like they're the good guys putting bad guys away. Mm-hmm. But they're not flawless. They're they fuck up a lot too. Yeah, it's so Sam actually went back and rewatched the first season of Law and Order last oh, year, a couple boy. months actually just a couple months ago and I watched a little bit with him just, you know, from being around the same house, especially under quarantine and it's fantastic. It's so good. <laughs> like I I absolutely recommend if you can like go back and watch the first season. You're you're going to love it. It's just like it's so the first episode comes out john spencer's in it mm-hmm. like it just totally goes close to like it's full of everybody that you know already oh, oh my mm-hmm. god that i mean that's always the the one of the best things is because mm-hmm. they film actually in new york you get a fair number of people who are already famous doing guest spots and you have so many people before they're famous where it's oh, like yeah. that guy had one line and then they walked away from him it's like what did, but that was yeah, I, I think for, that was a for New York actors, this was a godsend. Like, you're mm-hmm. going to need how many new cast members every week in New York? Shit. And you, mm-hmm. I, they, so mm-hmm. when I worked for Trader Joe's for a couple of years here mm-hmm. in Tallahassee, uh, when it first opened, one of my coworkers had been in a couple episodes of Law and wow. Order because he was an actor <laughs> and he lived nice. in New York like during the early 90s. And we always thought that was like super cool. Yes. Um, I would <laughs> I would love to be an extra. Like yeah. I want to be either a dead body or in the jury I'll, because I don't have my SAG card. So I can't be the people who find the body because they're usually my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it's always like some guy and some girl saying like, you know, I thought the the fancy restaurant was supposed to be around here. You are always talking to me like that. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy, are you okay? Oh my god, he's dead. <laughs> they are my favorite. There's always mm-hmm. bickering couples, and they find the dead body. I, John Mulaney has a great bit about that. Yeah. His favorite cast member is the guy who won't stop loading boxes while being questioned <laughs> by the police. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> or the bartender, like off out, like before the bar, uh, the mm-hmm. restaurant opens. He's like cleaning a glass. She's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, they were sitting right over there. <laughs> they seem to be in a fight." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, my all time favorite thing about that is how everyone just can just walk away from cops in the middle of questioning, and they they don't care. Sure. We're just like. <laughs> Yeah, I saw her at the party, but I don't know. I've got to get to class here at Hudson University. And then they just walk away. <laughs> and the cops are like, okay, we don't have any other questions, I guess. Like, Bye. Okay. Goodbye. The audience yeah. has all the information it needs, ma'am. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so the first episode is called Prescription for Death. It actually wasn't the pri- the pilot, actually, but it really starts the whole series off with that whole rip from the headlines bang. Because mm-hmm. it's based on this... Um, actual woman who died the story is is that this woman went to the er and ended up dying through 
um, some medical negligence, but they thought maybe it was because her doctor might have been drunk while he was working on her. I think it was a drug interaction. And it's based on the real life death of this woman named Libby Zion, who uh, this this happened to her. She went to ER and had a bad drug interaction that was um, administered to her by uh, doctors who worked there. And so it led actually to real legislation, which limited Mm -hmm. the amount of hours that residents and interns or that uh, resident physicians can work at a time. Because for a long time, you know, you would have part of your medical training is you'd have to be on call for like, you know, 30 hours at a time or whatever. And it caused a lot of medical Mm -hmm. mistakes. So, I mean, this first episode (laughs) is ripped from the headlines. Like, yeah. Just kind yep. of sets the tone. Really. I haven't watched it since the Gamergate episode. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Yo, this little yeah. motherfucker's camping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that ends up being my my personal game I play with myself. Mm-hmm. It's like, how long before I can figure out what story this actually is? Mm-hmm. And Sometimes I, it takes a little while. because you know, like it, You get to the end, you're like, oh, that's what made him think of that. And then sometimes it's like, oh, well, that's Nancy Kerrigan. I mean, come on. And yeah. it is the it is the... The Batman the Animated Series are all in the family of police law procedurals because it has a thousand spinoffs. It even it has video games based off of it. And I I like I don't know the show that well, but like when it was canceled as someone who keeps an eye on the media, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would you yeah. do this is run this is running in reruns on three cable channels and some networks. Why would you stop making this just because the ratings dipped this season and it it, it kept its uh some of the spinoffs are still on LA, I think, in Special Victim SVU. Special or still Victims on. Unit uh, yeah. is in season heading into season twenty two now. Wow! So it outlived um, the original. It outlived the original. Original wow. recipe went for twenty seasons. Wow! When you combine, I actually did some math for you guys. Wow! When you combine all the spinoffs, the foreign versions, because there are two Russian versions and a French version. <laughs> Ooh la la! Uh, a TV movie. The original recipe, SVU, which is still airing all the spinoffs, you get 1,367 episodes. Jesus Christ. Wow. Which Jesus equals, Christ. without commercials, 41 straight days of viewing. <laughs> Ooh. Holy Lord. And that's, awesome. if you, that's if you don't sleep. Yeah. If you don't sleep. <laughs> we actually have a Law & Order board game in my house. Wow. <laughs> it's like on the sh- on our board game shelf over there. Yeah. I, I love Law & Order. It's one of those shows, too, that like when you check into a hotel, if the office isn't on, Law & Order's on. Mm. And yeah. that is like something that you can always count on. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like it's one of my most it's like my relaxing thing that I watch because mm-hmm. like I don't have to pay a ton of attention, but it's also like a mystery. So I'm thinking a bit about like, hmm, I wonder where this is going. Mm-hmm. But it's incredibly unchallenging. It is. And, and you know, <laughs> my only criticism of it is that I do think that it might have given the American public an inaccurate idea of how criminal law really works. Mm. Oh, a thousand percent. Trials mm-hmm. work. It's propaganda. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes and, them a minute to get to trial and everything always works out. Or at least even if the bad guy doesn't go to jail, they always know who the bad guy is. And the Mm -hmm. cops do all kinds of shady shit and like kind of get a finger wag. And Mm -hmm. no, it's propaganda. And the prosecutors also engaged in a lot of uh, misconduct. And then, of course, the defense counsel is always played by like Cameron Mannheim, who's like, (laughs) I think he's done answering your questions. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's still it's an American institution. and It's fantastic. And I love it. 
Yeah, yep. and uh, and lastly on television, gonna rattle through this quickly. The Emmys uh, is, airs this week. The forty second annual Emmy Awards, hosted by Candace Berg and Jay Leno and Jane Pauley. Three hosts. It looks like they had faith in none of them. And uh, Murphy Brown. It's one of those rare, rare occasions where the host wins an award. Um, <laughs> Murphy Brown won for a comedy series, and I believe Candace Bergen did for uh, comedy star. Ellie Law won for drama. Uh, Ted Danson won for lead actor in comedy series. Candace Bergen, lady. Peter Falk, Columbo, wins for outstanding Yay. lead actor. Patricia Wittig wins for 30-something, a show I've never seen. And shout-out to Hume Chrome, Mr. Tandy, winning for a movie I've never heard of on HBO called Age Old Friends for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Miniseries Special. I don't know what any of this uh, other stuff is. I do see that this, um, this uh, I, I believe, the first award presented by an animated family, being that The Simpsons presented hmm. an award. I'm noticing that B.B. Newirth won an award for playing Lilith Crane before there was really? Frasier. Ooh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, back when it was Cheers. Haunting. And oh. I love anytime I see Susie Kurtz come up, she won for Best Guest Actress on a Comedy. What a cool name, too. Swoozy. <laughs> so good. I, I need to look it up because at some point we're going to have to talk about the uh, primetime soap opera Sisters, which she was a part of, oh, as, along with Sorry. Neil Award, and I watched so much of also that. notable in living color winning for variety music or comedy series that's probably yeah, like it's barely gotten going yeah it started it's barely in started but it is definitely better uh than snl this year maybe not i can't say that uh tracy Ullman show letterman and arsenio hall Whew, we gotta get to uh video games this week we'll go way more in depth on the video games on patreon.com slash later time with the boys for video game apocalypse uh tune in this week we we'll talking about xbox and nintendo news every friday um but uh, Little Nemo the Dream Master is out sometime during the September period. A great movie. If you remember, we talked about a while back, Toei Animation. Uh, I believe they also helped animate Tiny Toons. They had a big bomb on their hands, uh, Little Nemo and Adventures in Slumberland. This is the licensed game based on that, which is why you cannot really get it anymore. But it is a fantastic Capcom game with wonderful music that I love dearly. We'll talk about that more later. Woo! Uh, music of 1990, uh, September 11th to the 17th. Uh, oh, short. There's a lot. Yeah. Turns out September is when all of the music comes out everywhere. Yeah. Back when well, you need it. When back to school. That's when I always needed new music. Short dogs in the house by Too Short. Two fires by Jimmy Barnes. Ragged Glory by Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Under the Red Sky by Bob Dylan. Cherry Pie by Warrant. Unison it, by Celine Dion. Mama said Knock it, You Out by LL Cool J. Heaven uh, or Las Vegas by Cocteau Twins. Cocteau Twins. And uh, we'll close out with Release Me by Wilson Phillips, which is number one on the charts this week. So people, That's a lot. yes, stay right there. We'll be right back with 2000. Come on, darling. And coming in with my introduction to Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, the Madonna's oh. music. He was a European phenomenon, and that's where Madonna got her accent during this time. And the video for music, which is number one this week, featured Ali G. And like oh, Americans, I was so happy when I saw, like, oh my god, he's coming here! 
this is gonna be it's gonna happen it's happening and oh my god did you see borat filming i am mad mm-hmm. excited i can for whatever whatever that is i am so excited listen to laser times episode on the many faces of sasha baron cohen i'm a big fan um, but this song is mm-hmm. so good mm. yeah it is oh this whole album and this yes. is our follow-up to ray of light which mm-hmm. is like i'm not a pop person but oh. that's one of my favorite albums ever i listen to it and i'm yeah. like this is fucking amazing and then like well okay so the next one's not gonna be as good that's usually how it goes and then this is our follow-up which is like almost as good Mm. I'm so happy. I'm like, fuck, am I a Madonna fan now? What? <laughs> you are. I guess, guess I am. What? Yeah. You always have been. Oh. Um, she was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> it's the she year. She was with us the whole time. That one set of footprints was Madonna carrying me. Uh, it's difficult to tell, but it's too because of Madonna, but it is the year 2000 because she, she will stretch across all these decades from here now. Uh, September 11th through the 17th, new, new music releases. We also have some more Four Corner Night by Jets to Brazil. Me Refleo by uh, Christina Aguilera's first Spanish language album. Yeah, it's only her second album. She comes out with the one with Jeannie in a bottle and comes, Mm -hmm. here's the Spanish language one too. See, I can do everything. Damn. Uh, Maroon by Bare Naked Ladies. Also great. It's Like This by uh, Ricky Lee Jones. In Blue by The Coors. Goat by LL Cool J. Shit, he's got 10 years of the day. Free Your Soul and Save Your Mind by Suicidal Tendencies. Freaked Out and Small by the President of the United States of America. And, My theme song. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Nathan Michael Sean Wayne Wayne by Boys to Men. Still all with us? That's got to be there. So, yeah, mm. uh, I love Jets to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Four Corner Night is very good. But I'm, I feel like Bare Naked Ladies gets a lot of flack for being like a jokey band. Mm-hmm. But Maroon is fantastic. And this is the album that uh, Falling for the First Time comes from, which is a great song. Mm. I urge you to go back and listen to I was, I was Falling telling, like the first time. I was telling my girlfriend, not as not a Bare Naked Ladies fan, but like they had the hit song One Week and she's like, I, I don't like Bare Naked Ladies. And like the, when you're saying that, you're saying you don't like two songs by Bare Naked Ladies because those are the ones sung by not their lead singer. None of their songs sound like that, but they have jokey songs whenever that guy comes in to do his weird rap thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't love their jokey the stuff. Yeah. It, but they, their songs are really close to, I think, Ben Folds 5, where mm-hmm. they have songs that have, um, you know, puns in them or are, are whimsical. Mm-hmm. But also uh, part of whimsy is also sadness and there a lot of their songs are like also very sad and um yeah i just think bare naked ladies deserve a second love that by live, a lot of people that live brian wilson version that's fucking yeah. great yeah. um speaking of people we all admire a little bit of news to bring us into 2000 stone cold steve austin marries wwe diva deborah they divorce three years later so. mm, no i thought they were built to last but i uh, stopped believing in love <laughs> um uh, 9-11 movies. I hate saying it like that. <laughs> um, uh, movies that came out September uh, 11th through the 17th. The Watcher is still strangely number one. That is the weirdest story I've never heard of. Please listen to that episode. <laughs> uh, the Watcher's number one at the box office. Here are some new movies for that ass. Uh, Crime and Punishment in Suburbia. Um, <laughs> sorry, Monica Kina, Ellen Barkin, Michael Ironside, Vincent uh, Carthizer, and Conchita Farrell. This fucking movie. Oh, this mm. movie. Yeah, this is... Well, crime, crime and punishment. No, oh, the, next, no sorry, the next, the next yeah, one. No, it's it's. Uh, I mean, we're in the wave of classic remakes for mm. teens. So yeah, I mean, it's basically crime and punishment, except 
not really Dostoevsky, but sort of. <laughs> I mean, eh, did the did, the did the Dostoevsky's version have Michael Ironside? In it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Surprisingly, yes. No, that's, yeah. that's, that guy can do anything. He really has longevity. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It just belongs in like a big set that you buy at Walmart of the uh, the teen versions of classic literature set. It's okay. It's not nothing to write home about. So the next movie I oddly endured <laughs> on my wow. discount uh, discount pay non HBO channels, but like to to mock me further as if all these all these viewings I couldn't control weren't enough. When I got a job delivering uh, Chinese food, I would wait in the restaurant and they'd play like the Light FM all day. All of these songs got played on the radio from this movie mm-hmm. for a long okay. time. And this might- movie is ba fucking nanas. <laughs> it's, it yeah. is a little insane, but yeah. I, there's no uh, no other movie where you're going to see Paul Giamatti teamed up with Andre Brower to sing music. <laughs> so yeah, where and are you going to go? Honestly, the the ads make it look more fun than it is. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I, yeah, let's let's play the ad just to confuse the people, and then yes. we can talk about what are the pals are Huey Lewis, movie. Paul Giamatti, Maria Bello, Andre Brower, and Scott Speedman in duets. Duets. Six complete strangers. It's a real path to the real meaning of the real truth. Karaoke is going <laughs> to set them free. You can enter this little contest of ours. No, the real big money's up in Omaha this Saturday. Five grand. For these two, it's about love. How old are you anyhow? Probably old enough for a lot of things. I don't want to interrupt if you two are bonding. Do you know him? Why, of course I know him. He's your father. For these two, it's about following your heart. I hate how much I like Gwyneth Paltrow's cover of Betty Davis. Yep. (laughs) Oh, God. Um... But We're talking it, about duets. Duets. And uh, cruising in, in Betty Davis' eyes in particular, it was like every night mm-hmm. Delilah would give a shout out to somebody. My husband is still at work, but I <laughs> soon it'll be cruising back home to me. So I'm playing Cruising by Huey Lewis <laughs> and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. But yeah, this movie is pretty fucking nuts. I, 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 it's, mm. it's so nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> this movie is a fever dream. It's like when you have a dream and you're like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Paul Giamatti was there, but he had an earring and he was like on stage with Andre Brower, who had a gun and they were singing. And then Gwyneth Paltrow, like, kind of seemed like she wanted to fuck her dad, who was Huey Lewis, but not really. Yeah. That's what this movie is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think. I mean, I know why Gwyneth Paltrow's here. I'm not sure why everyone else is here. Yeah. This is directed by your dad. <laughs> yeah, because like, what? It, her dad wasn't directing a ton of shit at this time, so I don't know where this came from. No, but I, no, he did stiff it's uh, on TV. Yeah, but I, I think my favorite thing is that Huey Lewis is a karaoke hustler. Yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. Uh, well, okay. So Sam, when Sam and I were watching this, like, was karaoke like a newish like? thing in 2000 (laughs) no not even close no not really no karaoke machines have been on sale for like a decade okay okay i'm just curious as to why karaoke like the way this movie talks about karaoke it's like a trend you know it's like a new thing yeah it seems like like it's it's the wizard for karaoke (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) the story is like this group of incongruous people who are all on the you know, their various paths toward this karaoke competition that pays like $5,000, which 
is a lot of money, but mm-hmm. it's not a life-changing amount of money. Even no. in 2000, I would say, that right? Wouldn't, that wouldn't even settle my shit with the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So – it's wild Mm -mm. but i do love huey lewis a lot Mm -hmm. and watching this especially too makes me even sadder because like i just read an article about him where he has been diagnosed with um, uh it's called like meniere's disease but basically cause inner it causes intermittent deafness yeah and it's fucking twilight zone man Hmm? it's like twilight zone like the one thing he needed to do his shit yeah, yeah but he never knows when it's going to strike him. Oh, it's like So he has it intermittently. So he still can hear, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden one day he'll wake up deaf for like a couple of days or whatever. And so he cannot ever do live events anymore because he doesn't know if he's going to be able to hear on that particular That's day. Insane. Oh, jeez. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's not fair. I uh, know. And I, I mean, I love all of you. Can I, I'm events, sorry, so. Hugh, you're just too damn quiet. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> go well, back to the movie. I just, I just feel bad because I mean he's from here in the Bay Area, and I know he mm-hmm. do lots of stuff, especially with special needs kids. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, I was talking to uh, a friend's wife who's a, a special ed teacher, and she said they just—it doesn't matter how old they are—kids love Huey Lewis. Yes, it's <laughs> special. True. For some reason, special needs kids especially love Huey Lewis because all the songs are fun and upbeat it's, and poppy. And why his music is irritating? It's and... it's all ha- it's fucking happy. Everything's great, and I'm white in the '80s rock. Yeah, and if yeah. you if you're not putting that impression on it, then like yeah, it might be nice to have some happier rock music come out. Oh, throw a saxophone at something. We'll... Yeah. So she's like, yeah, I I don't know how these kids end up hearing Huey Lewis, but they love him, and so wow. we do lots of stuff for them, and well, mm-hmm. and we can't yeah. do that. Uh, so someone at the New Yorker loves Huey Lewis because I feel like I read an article about him like every two or three years <laughs> because that was like another article that I read is that he has a huge following, like a, a, a kind of like a, a cult following almost with people who are in the like intellectually and developmentally delayed community. Mm-hmm. They like follow him like when he performs at state or when he used to perform at state fairs and stuff. And it's yeah, it's pretty special. And he's uh, completely embraced the community and like you know poses for pictures and autographs and everything like for all accounts is a pretty cool dude yeah mm. yeah i think there's so many celebrities that would be terrible about that i'm like yeah right. i don't want to talk to any of these r words or whatever but instead mm-hmm. just being like oh my god my work brings you joy mm-hmm. <laughs> you have it hard enough as it is and i make you happy is it, that, it... that's the best thing i've ever heard are like we... I, yeah I want that in my life. I hope I make you happy, guys. And you are you, you are atoning you, for you, his part in American Psycho. And you are saying that that is the demographic for the movie duets. Stop. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was just me trying to get you guys back to duets because I didn't Sorry. watch it. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. No, it's fun reading the reviews. A lot of them are like, "Well, this is stupid." But damn it, Paul Giamatti's an amazing actor. Someone put him in good stuff. Yeah. And like, yeah. Uh, Eventually, sure. it happened. Well. It did, it happened a couple of years ago with um, Saving Prior Ryan, mm-hmm. and then he oh, did Big Mama's House. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, well, he's barely yeah. in Saving Private Ryan. No one thinks Saving Private Ryan and thinks Paul Giamatti. <laughs> they don't think Ted Danson either. He's in it. Come on, that's goddamn fair. motherfucking Nazis keep coming over <laughs> goddamn hill. God. He just won't stop. Um, and out this week. As well, uh, Jamie Kennedy, Robert uh, Pastrelli, Mike Epps, David Pamer, Kimberly Elise, Doug Hutchinson, David Morse, and Jamie Foxx in bait. Go away, bait. 
We implant this, an experimental tracking device, in the appropriate subject, put him on the street, we make it known he knows where the gold is, and I guarantee that our gold thief will show up. Yo, what up? <laughs> okay, let's take it for a spin. Oh goodness! I this this movie is a total blind spot for me. This uh, movie is terrible. Uh, it did not do well. It lost a ton of money. Yes, I mean it's got David Morse in it, which is a pretty good indication it's not going to be great. <laughs> I don't I don't hate that guy as an actor, but he does not make all the best choices when it yeah, comes. to He's movies. a working yeah, actor. Exactly, he's a working guy. Come mm-hmm. on, but. Uh, yeah, this is um, Anton Fuqua kind of went to movie jail briefly there. Yeah. Because uh, uh, he previously did The Replacement Killers, mm-hmm. which it didn't do great, but it made some money. And then here we go. It's like an action comedy, sort of, where, you know, Jamie Foxx is this shitty thief. And uh, like the all the, the fancy high tech thieves think that he knows where this, you know, big stash is. And so everyone going after him. And it bombed. It lost a ton of money. No one liked it. No one had any fun with it. And um, so luckily he, I guess, already had training day in development. So he didn't uh, completely disappear because we got training day next year. And mm. uh, Anton Fuqua was back at it because he's a really good director. Yeah. And uh, this is not proof of that. This is dreadful. I, I watched parts of it. Um, <laughs> I watched a little bit of it just to kind of get acquainted. And uh, a, a big part, I can't remember if we've said this already, but a big part of it was that they install some sort of tracking device in Jamie Foxx's jaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just truly, and I think it, like, it's, it's, it's a technology film where, like, all everybody's computer screens just look like DVD menus. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, it's just, uh, it's no good. Uh, and it, Jamie Kennedy's in it, so. And, well, it's also that, like, there Jamie Foxx's, like, acting breakthrough was a year ago on any given Sunday and I mm-hmm. guess it was a little too early to make him the star of a sort of technically summer film perhaps because like the only yeah. this got terrible reviews except for Roger Ebert who like <laughs> who seemed to like yeah it's, it's a decent action comedy and Jamie Foxx is a really good comedic action person and like as always Roger's right he was he was right and Jamie Foxx would find his would eventually find his groove but like his first time out like headlining a movie uh, since Booty Call uh, two years ago, <laughs> which is one of my favorite Jamie Foxx movies, uh, did not do well. But yeah, well, back. I think a big problem with it is that it is kind of an action comedy, except for it is only funny when Jamie Foxx is on the screen. Mm. Mm. Other than that, it's just that like blue slate gray and blue like you know tech thriller of the late 90s. It's probably not Foxx. funny when Jamie Kennedy's on screen. Mm. No. Yeah. One two Jamies. One good Jamie, one bad Jamie. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know what rhymes with Jamie? Grammy. As we move into television, <laughs> <laughs> September 11th through the 17th on television, and it is the first ever Latin Grammys. Um, or the first ever Latin Grammys, or like the first time America's broadcasting a Latin. I believe Grammys. it's the first. Latin Grammys, American Grammys mm-hmm. for Latin music. That's why aren't they just in regular fields? Oh goodness, uh, this isn't good. But whatever, um, lend your name to this thing, Grammys. That way, you don't have to nominate any Hispanics for any of your categories. <laughs> Ugh, keep giving awards to Jethro Tull. I don't know who wins Grammys anymore. Girlfriends <laughs> debuts, which is it hit the rare thing of like 
I've never fucking heard of this. I have never really? heard of this. No. Wow. Uh, yeah, like I said, a show we, that went eight seasons right. and has a massive spinoff. Right. Oh. And I, I'm told this is the theme song. <laughs> This looks like an Adult Swim show. Sorry, I'm over here watching the video. <laughs> I just love, I love that, you know. Uh, no, yeah, it I, sounds I, I, like the year 2000. I lived in a town without a UPN affiliate, so we never got this. And by the time I moved to San Francisco, I didn't have over-the-air television. So, like anything that happened on on UPN or WB, our entire town missed out on. So I've this never heard of this, and I was shocked. Like, fuck me, eight seasons? Who? Eight seasons? Yeah. yeah. With and I mean, it, it's the story of four girlfriends, um, played by Tracy Ellis Ross, Golden Brooks, Persia White, and Jill Marie Jones. And yeah, I mean, this is I, this is the first time we see Tracy Ellis Ross, right? Definitely first time I found out. Like, oh wait, Diana Ross's daughter? She acts. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, never heard yeah. of it. What is this about? No. <laughs> no idea what this is. Well, I mean, the title really says it. It's Girl, friends like, or it's girls? Girlfriend. I mean, like I, I've heard it referred to as like um, a black lady sex in the city. Oh, mm. you know, and, yeah. and so I, I've unfortunately never seen an episode of it, but. Uh, definitely something I'd be interested in checking out. You know, because it, I it do works. Love Tracy Ellis Ross so much. It works yeah. because they're girlfriends in real life. It's true. <laughs> I don't know. And then, well, and then that spun off to the game though, which went nine seasons. Jesus. Uh, three on CW, and then BET picked it up. Okay. Uh, with CBS. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a lot of programming <laughs> coming out of this uh, on its twentieth anniversary. Yay. Um. Speaking of a lot of programming, you know, NBC's happy. The Summer Olympics open in Sydney. Mm, and I just re- remember reading uh, stats that North Korea and South Korea came out together, even though both countries are technically still at war. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was like the first time that happened. Remember the Olympics? Remember oh. when that was a thing we could have? Yeah. Before yeah. we broke everything you, you gotta, and we can't no, have No, no, you got to give some anymore. credit. The Russians helped ruin those both those things, too. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> well, that's uh right. Project Icarus, yeah. I keep recommending that the, to my dad. Seriously, the only thing that I ever watch on the Olympics is the opening and closing ceremonies now because they're always so ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have one image in my head of this. There, there was some part of it that was like, oh, no, we're in the outback and now a brush fire is coming. And there's like a ton of people like breathing fire on the floor of the stadium while another guy is just, he just had a whip in each hand and he was whipping the air. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, thanks Australia. I don't know why, but this, this summarizes you really well. Thank you. Uh, And and for me, um, I was, I was like right this close to bouncing out of the demographic of MTVs uh, for watching MTV, but I was here for all this. Uh, They cancel Loveline this week. Trad- mm. I, I think it's difficult to find Loveline is a daily show Not a lot of fan wikis on a radio show That they turned into a television show And it mm. really show shows Because it is just two people Looking at camera and taking phone calls ah, Alright, tell me your dick doesn't work ah. <laughs> mm. um, Fuck no, it But if, if we could have kept Adam Carolla doing that Then he wouldn't be doing like Cancelled con with all the people oh. who Liberals complain about us. They're trying to silence us. So you should pay us money to talk. <laughs> I know. I'm somehow less likable than Ben Shapiro. Oh, and we also wouldn't have possible. Dr. Drew exploiting uh, people who have horrible addictions. <laughs> uh, the most famous person who has ever retweeted me, uh, Dr. What? Drew. Dr. Drew? Yes. It was about, huh. I, 
I forget what it was about California banning vaping on beaches and like, oh, great. People recovering from addiction with something completely harmless is now banned. And Dr. Drew's like, what do you guys think? And like, do not send these people my way, Mr. Drew. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm nobody. <laughs> How did you see this? So do you follow me? <laughs> I don't follow you. Uh, I but- would just generally say try not to trust anyone who calls themselves doctor and then their first name. <laughs> did you guys ever watch Love Line though? I like I when I, yes. I I heard the radio show and like this is actually amazing because I I don't mm-hmm. remember where I was but David Allen Greer was on and he just did answered every phone call with Teddy Pendergrass impressions and like I I I would buy this as a series. Uh, this is amazing. <laughs> but yep. Well, yeah, I mean, you get some useful information out of it and also hear from the stupidest people in mm-hmm. the history of mankind. Yeah. I peed on a pregnancy test with my penis and it didn't work. (laughs) I wish that we could go back in time and not have these guys do Love Lion style and instead have Dan Savage do it. I Mm. think we would all be in a much better place with our Mm. sexual and mental health. I agree. And uh, a a show I wish I didn't love but won't won't not admit to liking. um, And it's turned out in this day and age to be a really interesting time capsule. They occasionally pop up when I'm searching for shit on, for this show on Daily Motion, MTV Cribs debuts this oh, week wait. on the 12th. Uh, first episode with Moby, Jewel, and the backdoor pilot, The Osbournes, where I think uh-huh. MTV's... Wow. I don't know if it was intentional, but like uh, Jack and Kelly are on screen in this episode. And two years later, they will have the biggest hit in basic cable. Um, What's a time capsule? But MTV Cribs, I did want to ask you, everybody has seen this show. Everybody, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what are some of your favorite or notable episodes of MTV Cribs? MTV Cribs is, if you don't know, is a show that was literally just famous people's houses, and mm-hmm. that was yep. it. And they would work with anything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it wasn't their house. It, it turns out. Reading about it, almost every fucking time, they were renting something, <laughs> and like, yep, this is where the magic happens. And no. It, as long as you keep paying the rent, like this isn't your house at all. Like I think I was even reading like Fifty Cent. Here's my Lambo and my Ferrari, and like you borrowed those from a private. Cl- it's such a ridiculous show, but it is sometimes it can be fun. I- so this is just lifestyles of the rich and famous, but for MTV, right? Yeah, a little bit, but I, I liked it for like you know Tony Hawk. Oh, I wonder what to- like a. I wonder what how much Tony Hawk makes. B. I wonder like how does a the biggest professional skateboarder skate at home? Cool, neat. I can see that. I just, I have a bunch of remembered faves, by the way. Mm. Um, uh, Master P I, painting, his, right. uh, having a gold ceiling in every room in his house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twenty four karat gold, and and it's the uh, anti cribs episodes that I love the most. Uh, Red man, <laughs> mm-hmm. like he, he come on in, and it's like a rented house with a broken, like the doorknobs hanging out. It's like <laughs> I, I don't know if, he, like, if he did it on purpose, he's a genius. Because uh, everything was broken and shitty. Chris Pontius from Jackass like literally lived out of his truck and they do an episode I uh, <laughs> sleep here in the flatbed. <laughs> here, Here's the stuff I wear for Jackass because, you know, they're paying him like $100 an episode. And I think Sean William Scott, he was like getting famous, but he like still lived in like a two bedroom apartment with a roommate. And it was just like a dude's <laughs> apartment and like this guy's making his second American Pie movie and has is clearly saving his money so good on him good for him <laughs> good yeah. on him that's yeah. smart 
I've never been a fan of like shows where you see people's houses. No. Like I, I hate real estate. Maybe it's because my mom made me go to parade of homes so many times when I was a child, mm. but um, I just, I hate real estate and I hate seeing people's houses like that. So now, MTV Cribs was never a thing for me, but what? I do want to say that I would like to credit MTV Cribs with something really good, which is the best episode of, uh, the office. <laughs> I feel like that you could draw a straight line between MTV Cribs and the dinner party episode of oh, the office. <laughs> Where he's like giving a tour of the house and he's like, this is where, this is my man cave. I feel like, I don't know if we would have the reference to think why that's so funny if we didn't have cribs. I, I don't want to over intellectualize cribs. It was because I don't care about fancy shit, but it's just like, if I like this person, like here's a, here's an original poster of my favorite movie and like, cool. He likes the same thing I do or like mm-hmm. shit fucking fucking method man plays dreamcast just like me <laughs> this is great uh, that's the kind of thing that made me really happy like seeing what these people liked and did and if we had the same stuff but you yeah. can think that about like fun. the hmm. fact that most of that stuff was planted by publicists and advertisers um you never know i mean like that's the thing if they're like, like if they're showing I want to see if they're medicine cabinet if they're, sh- if, they're, <laughs> if they're showing off like a movie poster it's clearly something that they like and they all had home movie theaters. So, yeah, I love it. Whenever anybody posts, like, and I hate it. And, yes, I secretly resent people with home theaters. <laughs> I don't have mm-hmm. one. But, it, like, you can tell a lot about the personality by the posters they hang in that, that room. Those are their favorite mm-hmm. movies. And you may not know that about them. Anyway. Okay. I'm, so, mm-hmm. real quick, before mm-hmm. we end the segment, whose MTV crib would you want to see now? Like, who is a person that you would pick right now that you would you would want to see the inside of their house? Ooh. I, right now? Um, Conan did it technically, and I think uh, uh, Stay Safe California, the last fire, I think had Gilmo Del Toro move his shit out of his house because he has mm. like a museum mm-hmm. of wonderful movie and horror minutia. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's fantastic. Like, like life size scale models of like the cast of freaks kind of shit. Um, yeah. it, uh, it, that I would love, but he, he, uh, Andy Richter goes and Guillermo walks him through, but I would like, I would watch an entire movie of this. Yeah. Uh, that's good. That's a good call. I feel like it's almost unfair to ask because if you watch any talk shows, you're seeing at least part of somebody's house right now. Well, that's true now, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I, I, I that is why say. that is why I'm watching. I saw Jerry Seinfeld and something like I don't care what he's promoting. I want to see what his house looks like because yeah. we we watch Seinfeld a lot over this. <laughs> I was gonna say like talking about you know when you're saying like oh these movie posters they like mm-hmm. the same thing I like. I think Edgar Wright's would be really interesting because. Mm-hmm. Again, I know I've said this before, but he's a fantastic follow on uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to be truly honest, I think what all I really want to see is either Stanley Tucci's bar cart or uh, – <laughs> and that's not a euphemism. Like I actually want to see his bar cart mm-hmm. <laughs> and or Tom Cruise's cryogenic chamber that he sleeps in. Okay. <laughs> so if we're going big uh... – I, I, in the back of my mind, because they've talked about both of these people have talked about little things that they have in their house, but not everything that they have. Uh, Peter Jackson and Spielberg, mm. those guys who are like yeah. just lifelong diehard movie nerds and mm-hmm. are not on social media and are fucking millionaire collectors of some of the coolest stuff ever made for movies. I would love to see yeah. what Spielberg lives like. I really would. Ooh, mm-hmm. uh, I got to throw out Nicolas Cage then. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I, you didn't think of that before. I, 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 I want to see the T-Rex skull. Come on, dude. 
All those crazy elephant bones. Welcome to my crib. Everything is for sale. <laughs> Here's the pyramid I sleep under. <laughs> Here's I'm getting used to the New Orleans crypt. I've what <laughs> you told me that you already bought a New Orleans crypt, and I yeah, and I believe He's we got a crypt. We, and for a while, he owned arguably what should be the most haunted place. Uh, I did. A, yeah, uh, the former house of Delphine Lalaurie, which Ooh. is. Um, she was so horrible, they took her slaves away because she was treating them too bad. Oh, Jesus. Mm. You know when white people yeah. step in? <laughs> you've yeah. gone too far. Yeah, she was a fucking monster. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we know how much the first issue uh, Superman appeared in is worth because Nicolas Cage had to sell it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yep. he had it and sold it. And, and Nick Cage, that's a good one. All right. Um and I don't know, we, I, like reading, reading all about like, I don't know, as an adult now, like it's the same thing as like when you read an article, like these influencers just bought a McLaren. It's like they're renting it and they're yeah. in it. So like Calm down, everyone. they're being kids, kids being kids, let it go. They're going to be fucked if they don't spend their money a little wiser. Also, <laughs> money isn't real and nothing matters. So yes, don't it's worry true. About it. yeah. It's true. That's why I collect people's hair. Let me show you my collection. Come on. We're up, we're up. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it inside your shower. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly mine. Uh, well, let's uh, uh, video games out this week. Again, we'll talk more about these in depth. Um, we were having an inter- interesting conversation of what Lego games were like on this episode before they started doing Lego Star Wars license games, Lego mm-hmm. Marvel. Lego Stunt Rally is out this week, and like Lego games are kind of nothing until they they teamed up. And basically became the only games we have based on movies that ever come out nowadays. Parasite Eve 2 is also out, as as is Star Trek Voyager Elite Force. If you know anything about these games, chime in the comments, and we'll try and incorporate it into the video game show we do every month at patreon.com slash lasertime, supporting the whole Lasertime network. Um, let's go out with uh, Breathless by The Coors, because you guys said so. <laughs> I don't know who this is. We're a fruit drink ad, I guess. I don't know. So I feel like... So many freaking trailers and ads use this song for so long. Mm. Is this the song that's like, leave me breathless? Yeah. Go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's, n- that's not it. Shania Twain? Nope. Are you kidding? Nope. Dude, I had no idea. I had no I had no idea there was someone out there. That, it does sound oh Twainish. My, oh my goodness. Wow. I thought. But okay. does she say let's go girls at the beginning? Because that's how you know. <laughs> Does she slam Brad Pitt? I can never recognize this Shania Twain song <laughs> until the Brad Pitt disc comes in. Uh, Poor Brad Pitt. <laughs> I know. Yeah, He's no been one, through enough. No one ever says that. <laughs> Poor Brad Pitt. Set so many hot wives in an Oscar. Poor guy. Uh, all right, we'll close out with Breathless by not Shania Twain. We'll be right back with 2010, which somehow is our most interesting segment this week. ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of september 11th through 17th uh yeah i definitely i gotta recommend uh from 50 years ago this week 1970 
this very week saw the release of Five Easy Pieces starring Jack Nicholson and Karen Black and Susan Anspaugh and Sally Struthers pops up for a second there. Um, this is one of those movies like I was always sort of skeptical about because they talk about like, oh, this is about, uh, you know, American movies and, and they're becoming more like European movies as the studio system's dying and you should watch Five Easy Pieces because it's character driven and not a lot happens, but you'll like it. And I was like, eh. And then, oh, damn it, it turns out they were right. Uh, most of the movie is about Jack Nicholson, who comes from, like, a lot of privilege, and he was a piano prodigy, and he's left that all behind to, like, work in oil rigs and hang out with his girlfriend that he does not treat great. Uh, <laughs> but it's their relationship is very interesting, and then eventually he finds out his fancy-pants dad is dying, and he goes to deal with his family. And, um, yeah, I mean, just sort of a solid recommend, especially early earlier-ish role for Jack Nicholson for to understand what his appeal is if you've never seen younger Jack Nicholson understand like oh that's why this guy is like iconic he is a freaking movie star yeah between this and Cuckoo's Nest yeah I get it that's why Jack Nicholson's a star so yep five easy pieces 50th anniversary this week and that's it for this week stay classic Coming in the 2010 with Bottoms Up by Trey Songs off of Pain and Pleasure. Trey Songs, I'm hearing your name for the first time. I feel so no, old. Have I? He's been on the charts a bunch. I mean, with a name like that, what else is he supposed to do? But uh, welcome to September 11th to the 17th in the year 2010. Oh man, is shit going to get crazy, but we got to talk about the music real quick. That song is out, as are Hands All Over by Maroon 5, Majesty, uh, Majesty Shredding by Superfunk, uh, Superchunk. False Priest uh, by of Montreal, overly dedicated by Kendrick Lamar, Sit Down Man by Das Racist, uh, Going Back by Phil Collins, Grinderman Two by Grinderman, a side project by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Love the Way You Lie by Eminem featuring Rihanna is still number one, and <laughs> I, I feel uh, all the moms <laughs> everywhere heard Hands All Over by Maroon Five and went ooh. Yes. I think uh, including me because sorry guys I love Maroon Five. Yeah. Maybe. Yep. Ooh, Sorry, I like this band. I want them to ruin the Super Bowl one day. But more than that, I have to recommend "Sit Down, Man" by Dos Racist because I love Dos Racist. Does that have Pizza and Hut and Taco Bell on it? Nope, no. that is "Shut Up, Dude," their previous album. Uh, "Sit Down, Man" though has "All Tan Everything," which is so good. Yeah. I love Dos Racist so much. Um, and man. In 2010, the only news I could find that I wanted to talk about at all, and this is going to annoy listeners who care about our format, the saga begins. Randy Quaid and his wife are arrested. <sighs> they had previously been arrested a few months ago for not paying a ten thousand, trying to pay ten thousand dollar hotel bill on like a stolen credit card, but they are arrested for burglary slash squatting by breaking into and living in a the guest home of a home they used to live in. Uh, the police showed up. What are you doing? Like we own this house paperwork and people who own the house said otherwise <laughs> um, and then they never showed up for their court date and they fled to Canada and the madness I didn't realize this begins like 
I think Randy Quaid has made an appearance on like Tosh.0 and that is it in the last 10 years. In, well, yeah. the Hollywood Star Whackers are coming to get him. Th- there is a movie he made about the Hollywood Star Whackers, which is like every time he describes it, it's like so close to being racist. But <laughs> a secret cabal of people going out to uh, bribe, not bribe or extort people out of their money. But somewhere along the line, someone needs to interview this guy because something happened to his his Christmas his well, Christmas vacation I mean, money. What he's talking about is Scientology, right? I I don't. I mean, a secret cabal of people that are trying to extort like Hollywood people out of their money. I don't know. Gotta be they they. They show up. They don't show up for this court date. They flee to Canada and become international criminals. And the last time I saw Randy Quaid was in a terrible video where he was fucking his wife with a picture of Rupert Murdoch taped to her face. Yeah, like that is a oh, real yeah. thing that I wish. That's I, a I, thing that happened. I wish yeah. upon no one that he he multiple sh- multiple <laughs> shots and versions of he put out there. Um, it's and- such a bummer. Like. Sorry to be a bummer, but Mm. mental illness is really tough when you're in the public eye, especially. And watching all of this go down is... I, I, I would do that to be a joke. I wouldn't, I I wouldn't bring it up except that like, because I am sensitive to mental illness being incredibly mentally ill as well. But it's just like you and your wife have the same thing. This is this is insane. Mm. This is a movie. This you guys should have your own show. Why don't yeah. Why don't you have more Why don't you have more uh, more social accounts for fuck's sake? Mm. Yeah. They, they got a, a folie a deux is when when two people share a delusion and build upon it for each other. Oh mm-hmm. goddamn! And, and, yeah. and I'm saying that as someone who has such a deep and real love for Randy Quaid. Mm-hmm. I first saw him in Caddyshack Two, or maybe yeah, Caddyshack Two, Major League Two. Uh, Chris onto a Christmas story, Independence Day, Kingpin. I fucking love that guy, and mm-hmm. I would love to have him back being his weird self. Good lord, uh, we have Dude. a Quaid sandwich I know. on the show. I know. Yeah. Oh, we got Quaid's. we got other Quaids, and then just this week, uh, the boys came back. Yes. I started watching the boys right at the same time. I was watching Postcards from the Edge and being like, "Why does that guy remind me so? Why am I thinking about Postcards? Oh my god, that that's fucking Dennis Quaid." Huey. I love the boys. Good Lord. Uh, Movies of 2010, uh, September 11th through the 17th of 2010. um, Of 2010. Relax, people. Uh, Leaves of Grass. uh, Edward Norton, Tim Blake Nelson, Susan Sarandon, Richard Dreyfuss. Uh, Yeah, we we have two movies here that are directed by people who are way more famous as actors. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can start with Leaves of Grass, which, no, it's not an adaptation of the Walt Whitman book. I'm very disappointed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead, it is a drug comedy Starring Edward Norton as twins. <laughs> okay. Did he one mean- of whom is a stoner and one of whom isn't, and they get mistaken for each other. It's directed by Tim Blake Nelson, wow. who, where do people know him from? I mean, you should uh, just know him just by looking at him. Oh, brother, where cool. are them? Del yeah, Mar, oh, brother, baby. Where yeah. Uh, yeah, they turned him into a horny toad. <laughs> Coming up, bitches. But, uh, yeah, and we got Richard Dreyfus back again. Yeah. Going coast to coast. Whew. And, the, uh, the reviews, like, no one saw it. The reviews were actually really good. Oh, okay. Especially for Edward Norton, because whenever Norton starts getting wacky, I Mm. think that's my favorite Edward Norton, actually. I enjoy it. If you like Edward Norton and haven't seen Alita Battle Hunter, that is one of those unadvertised things that, oh, shit, this is leading up. We need a second one to see what this 
what happens with this? Mm-hmm. Holy Lord. Well, right, if you so... love Edward Norton and you haven't seen Keeping the Faith, hey. go back and watch that too. There you go. His directorial debut. Which, Very good. Which reminds me of Other List Brooklyn, I think, is on HBO, and yeah. I finally need to watch that. I know, me too. Um, so yeah, Lisa Grass put in the comments because there were just so much to watch. Uh, none of us got to it. Uh, did any of us get to Jack Goes Boating either? It's a fascinating so I title. The, I watched the first 20 minutes of it because oh. it is free on one of the streamings. Mm-hmm. Okay, but this is Philip Seymour Hoffman's only directorial effort. Wow. Well, it makes sense because it's a huge fucking bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Marty that it's about like this huh. kind of sad sack who mm-hmm. tries to like connect with another person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm full up on that story. Um, so, yeah. And I love PSH, so like mm. no knock against him at all. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. I don't exactly know who this is for or who would enjoy it besides maybe a Philip Seymour Hoffman completionist because it's just a real boring bummer. I did not finish it. Sorry. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Let us know in comments if we're really fucking wrong. Maybe it gets amazing at the end. Yeah. (laughs) And to which I apologize. It turns out the whole thing takes place in an alien zoo and they're on another planet. It'd be awesome. And I mean, I love Amy Ryan too, so. Yeah. Who doesn't? If you don't, go fuck yourself. Oh. Bam. I co-signed to that. <laughs> Come on. I love her. <laughs> She's really great in the first directorial effort of someone we're about to talk about. Ooh. Ooh la la. Okay. Is it Alpha and Omega? Direct- no. No. Let's never talk about that. Uh-oh. That has some oh. of the worst reviews of the year. Is this the dog movie? Yep. Yeah, okay. What? I have her. Oh, yes. yes. With Hayden Pantyliner. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Justin Long, Hayden Pentieri, and Christina Ricci, Denny Glover, and Dennis Ho- Dennis Hopper. Was he- Dennis yeah. Hopper. It's his last film. Oh, yeah. oh poor no. Fella. Poor mm-hmm. fella. <laughs> poor guy. And uh, we did not see that, but then we get into things we have seen. I meant to see this, uh, but it had too many M. Night Shyamalan names on it. Um, Dude, I remember mm-hmm. seeing when this trailer came on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people were like, huh, interesting. And then when M. Night Shyamalan's name came up, people started laughing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh-huh. Because the happening had happened, and that was yep. fucking yep. embarrassing. Yep. But uh, it did It look like a very uh, independent, or what would you call it, a cheaply made movie based on a premise. Let's see if the TV spot describes it. 42, please. You bet. Oh, this is not good. What was that? Which of these five strangers is not who they appear to be? Don't come near me! Back away from each other now! Who the hell are you? Devil. Devil. Seems like a movie based on a party game. Five people. Which one of them is the werewolf? Pretty and, much. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, that's that is pretty much it. I yeah. mean, I appreciate that it's like Agatha Christie, and then there were none, but in an, in an elevator instead of a whole house. Because <laughs> yeah, five people get trapped in an elevator, and then the lights go out, and they come back, and one of them's dead. Okay. Okay. Oh. Okay, that's that's fun. Uh, I appreciate that it's only eighty minutes. Let's make it snappy. <laughs> um, what I don't appreciate is how stupid it is. Because mm. uh, I I watched a big chunk of it, and I turned it off at the point where. The security guards are watching this and they're trying to like, what can we do to save those people? Oh my God, that guy's dead. They're fighting now. And this like super Latino stereotype runs up and he's like, you know, el diablo esa aquí. And they're like, what? He's like, you can tell the devil is near because when you drop toast, it lands butter side down. 
What? What? And he brings over some toast and he's like, watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, like, no. Oh, honey, what is happening? That's just <laughs> physics, babe. Sorry, right, babe. It means the devil is always near because physics is always near. Word. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's trashy, but at least it's fast. So. Okay. Um, eh, it's okay. It, and it wasn't, I, I, I have heard so much praise about the next movie and oh, it, it, girl i'm yeah. so excited not not yet regarded movie. as as a classic but uh maybe it should be, should be. um mm-hmm. malcolm mctowell lisa kudrow patricia clarkson stanley tucci tucci gang amanda bynes and uh emma stone in easy a i always thought that pretending to lose my virginity would be a little more special judy bloom should have prepared me for that brandon told me what you did for him no he told me the truth i was just hoping that maybe you could do the same for me so whether I liked it or not, I was open for business. 20% off to Bath & Body Works? Is that how much our imaginary trust spent to you? <laughs> I fake rocked your world. We need to pray for her, but we also need to get her the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, Amanda Bynes, before she also unfortunately had a bout with some mental illness. Mm-hmm. She was great in this. Yep. Uh, I, I... So many of my friends have told me, oh, my God, you'll love this, Diana. It's so much fun. And I was like, eh. And I finally got around to it because because I care about you guys. Mm-hmm. And I fucking loved it. It oh. was so funny. Oh, my god, so goofy and irreverent and adorable. Yeah, so good. Yeah. So I remember last week at, during our little post-show chat, I was like, easy is coming up. I I implore you guys to watch this. And mm-hmm. Diane, you're like, I'm going to do it. And then like a couple days later, we got it. I got a text from me that was like, oh my God, easy A. <laughs> I was like, yeah, girl. I yeah. You. Well, I mean, first of all, the idea is just so cute. Yeah. Where it starts out with, you know, Emma Stone was just sort of like a whatever nobody at high school. And she like tells her friend that that she slept with some college guy, which she didn't. She was just like screwing around, just pretending, being sarcastic, really. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, gay kid comes to her and is like, could you pretend that we had sex so I can stop getting gay bashed all the time? And so she becomes a, basically a pretend sex worker. <laughs> where all these different people, like, you know, kind of a chubby guy who's sort of a loser is like, here, I'll pay you to pretend we had sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's not, she's not a pretend sex worker. She's a pretend sex worker. Worker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like her yeah. job is pretend sex where yeah. she just lets people tell other people that they had sex in order to increase their social standing in a world where, sex is currency in high school which depending on your high school that may or not may not have been true but i i like that this this kind of it really gets into the the sort of duality of sexuality in high school which is like people make fun of you if you're a virgin if you're not a virgin people make fun of you for being a slut there is like no in between uh not for Mm -hmm. men it's it's yeah exactly (laughs) but for men this plays out perfectly for them i did on, on, on one want. of our bonus times i confronted my uh oldest friend since we're five steve shit steve tell, like uh he told me he had sex with his neighbor when we were 14 and i was like i am so jealous everyone's doing this but me and it like mm-hmm. it, it gave me a little more and I'm, I'm like dude that gave me a little more of a complex for like at least a mm-hmm. year because you would mm-hmm. it's like did that really ever happen he's like i don't remember telling you that and like wow it's like i wrote it down like i couldn't mm-hmm. i couldn't stop thinking about the sexual situation a 14 year old and his 
forty year old neighbor, <laughs> and, oh, and uh, which never happened. Uh, but that was my nerd life cycle of it because mm. yeah, obviously I was you know I was I had a wing of the abortion clinic named after me, so like I was mm. I was in there in high school. So. Yes, <laughs> so. and we thank you for that. Yeah, but, thanks for your donation. Uh, this, <laughs> in many ways, um, but yeah, this movie is fan. Fantastic. Mm. And it's one of those great movies where like Emma Stone for me has always been a fine actress, never been a huge fan, but never have mm-hmm. any negative feelings towards her. But her supporting cast in this is so oh. good. Yeah. I mean, we, we left we had, out a couple, uh, Pim yeah. Badgley, mm-hmm. Thomas Hayden Church, mm-hmm. Kim Gigante or whatever yep. his name is. Dan, and- Dan Bird, who I have to sing the praises of him. He plays mm-hmm. her gay friend who plays a big role in the film and he is also on another thing that more people should be watching and that is Cougar Town. He plays oh. Courtney Cox's son on Cougar Town and he is fantastic in it and I wish he would be in more things because I've always loved him um, and he's fantastic in this film. But um, but yeah, and Lisa Kudrow is so good in this. I mean, she do we have to talk great. again about how great she is because honestly – Everything she touches is gold. In 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 a lot of surprising ways. Like mm-hmm. I thought she was going to be one type of character where she's just sort of like the wacky counselor who's just like, I don't know how to talk to you kids. And then it's like, oh, that's not who she turns out to be at all. It's like exactly. her character takes a big turn and you're like, oh, damn, Lisa Kudrow. There are turns in this movie that I don't want to spoil and I won't. No. Uh, but that's even more of an argument for, for people to watch it. I also love that they tie into this is that, I mean, she's a high school student. They're reading the Scarlet letter Mm -hmm. that plays into a huge part of her like development as a character, but fuck everything that we're talking about. Let's talk about how amazingly attractive and sexual Stanley Tucci and Patricia Clarkson's relationship is. They are. Oh my God. (laughs) in, In their goofy jokey way, they remind me of my parents a little bit, except like, it's like, you know, you cast way sexier, more charming people than my parents as my parents. You know, you have to amplify everything in the film version. I truly, uh, I want them to adopt me. This, so Stanley <laughs> Cucci. So fucking funny. I think I just accidentally said Stanley Cucci. Stanley Cucci <laughs> is, as we all know, someone I'm hugely attracted to, mainly because my husband looks just like him. But also because a big part because of this role like he is he just plays the ultimate zaddy like if not if you don't care about teenage and you don't care about teenage like comedies watch this film just to watch stanley Tucci and patricia clarkson who's also someone who i love and i'm very attracted to uh play off each other as a married couple it's truly the best there yeah this whole movie uh was such yeah, I was so charmed by easy I, mm-hmm. I love it if you like mean girls mm-hmm. and you haven't seen this yet what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make a better choice in your life and watch this. <laughs> yeah. You deserve it. Yeah. And Malcolm McDowell is fantastic <laughs> in this. It has like, why? Why is he even in this? What is he doing? But he's, he's doing like, a great job. <laughs> he's got like three lines of just like, oh God. And he's, he's making the, the most of it. And I yeah. love it. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do with you people. I just want to retire. Jesus Christ. He's so good. Yeah. <laughs> This movie is fantastic. I absolutely 100%. This is my recommend of the the entire week. I kind of feel like it's mine too because the only other movie I really want to recommend, I feel like more people know is is a really solid movie and not as mm-hmm. many people have heard of Easy A or taken the time. It mm-hmm. it was so goddamn funny, Chris. Yeah. I, I, Laugh out loud. 
I've heard, and, and really? I'm saying I, I heard that 10 years ago from, and I'm saying surprising because it was from men. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I think I saw one trailer that's like, ew, no. And then I saw, I thought it was a red band trailer because it had a bunch of Frank language, but this movie's not even rated R. It's uh, it's totally safe for work, and <laughs> uh, I mean, you tell me, mm-hmm. but yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, it was one of those things that, like, at the end of the year, like, no one's talking about Easy A. We shouldn't forget about this film, and and most of the movies I do love from like the '80s, which is this is compared to a lot, mm. uh, weren't an immediate hits. But like, Easy A didn't have the luxury of like, there's so many movies, and I have never seen this pop up on cable or anything like that. So yeah, you got to seek yeah. it out. It's it's also fun. One of the things that's fun about it is that it is postmodern in that like it knows other teenage movie tropes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. talks about them and often just makes fun of them or makes a reference to them or reenacts them in the end or yeah. visually references that i mean there are clips from john hughes movies in this movie okay. that she references so yeah it's absolutely a john hughes movie in 2010 yeah, yeah. and this did, this is great with critics uh as well mm-hmm. and Really yeah, so. I know. So many critics are like, well, Emma Stone's a freaking star, right? Are we all seeing this? And it's like, yeah. I yeah, knew that. Exactly. We she watched, has a lot of... We watched Superbad recently, and I, was, I, I remember yeah. you, you, there's a podcast of me realizing, like, looking up Emma Stone, like, this girl's so cute. <gasps> oh, she's younger than me. That's the first time that happened. Uh, <laughs> oh, gross. I'm gross. <laughs> <laughs> and now look at you. Uh, now look at me. I, I, don't, I don't want anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want a girl who will help pay the mortgage. Um, <laughs> I want a girl with a short skirt and a long jacket. Mm. That's got to be a reference to something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming. Uh, but You're not catching that one? It's, there's a song, and that's exactly what it's called. No, I, 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 give me give me, give me, me until the end of the I episode. I want a girl with a short skirt and a long It's got to be the Moody Blues? Is this, or is this? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> it is. Right on. <laughs> Uh, and the movie I was seeing in theaters this week, Easy A is obvious counter-programming to the number one movie at the box office, Pete Postlethwaite. It's one of his last movies. Chris Cooper, Blake Lively, John Hamm, uh, Jeremy Renner, Rebecca Hall, and Ben Affleck in The Town. I'm done. You're done. There's people I can't let you walk away from. You're going to do what I ask. Who do you think you are? You grew up right here. Same rules that I did. Find me a prince so I can grab one of these guys. I'm leaving. Get that in your head. The town rated R starts September 17th. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I know this is the point, but uh, just listening to the trailer, it just sounds like Boston the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might as well have just been like, "Get me some Duncan." Yo, we're gonna go rob the pets. We're gonna. <laughs> uh, you laugh, but. Yes. Yeah. That's the whole point is the big heist at the end. It's at the Cathedral of Boston. Yeah. <laughs> it's a scary Irish Pete Postlethwaite. And yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they're going to go rub the socks. Back, yeah. This, this, during this weird, uh, you know, ten, like less than a decade Boston infatuation movies. <laughs> Interesting. Like I, when I finally went there, uh, I demystified it. It's such a beautiful place. Bill Burr described it as a racist San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that absolutely feels right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the, the the town, like this is uh, following up Gone Baby Gone, where Ben Affleck was kind of a joke for a little while and like wasn't really casting shit and starts making yeah. his own movies. He directs a film that gets great reviews, but he doesn't put himself in it. Uh, this time, 
things are different. Mm. And and this I, time I he is in it. And I say he fully redeemed himself yeah. because I fucking love the tap. Yeah, it's he, great. Like Ben Affleck, and I literally, can't he, even put my finger on why it's just all the pieces work he, perfectly. He renewed. He renewed himself in the business with mm-hmm. this film. Like all of a sudden, yeah, you're also you're a director and you're an A-list actor. We'll sign you up for both. And I believe where we are now, Jeremy Renner, uh, he was he was coming off what the Catherine Bigelow movie. Yeah. Um, but Locker. like this is like what gets him cast in the Avengers. And John Hamm has not made a good movie yet. I think nope. according to him has has been very careful with what he does with his career uh having won an emmy for playing don draper and like i, I remember seeing oh god why are you in this the day the earth should still remake <laughs> oh yeah. goodness yeah. uh but this is great like and everyone here like gets a little little time to shine and just uh, i don't know like right now i'm kind of begging for this kind of it feels like a smaller movie but good action and like decent action sequences uh rooted in people who live in their childhood home I really yeah. dug that. And people uh, rooted mm-hmm. in the character. Yeah. We, like we understand how, who all the characters are, how they interact, what it is they want. Why mm-hmm. are they doing this? I mean, basically the, the story is uh, Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner are part of a, a robbery crew. They, they recruit, they go, they do a bank robbery, robbing Rebecca, Hall, robbing Rebecca Hall's bank and briefly take her hostage. And then they, they start keeping an eye on her thinking like, Oh shit, you know, she lives in the, our neighborhood. Like maybe she she'll recognize us and, and she'll rat us out to the co-ops. co-ops and, and then Ben Affleck like actually starts having a relationship with her while he is technically, you know, stalking her. And uh, then they, Hating yeah, have her, to go, yeah. Yeah. They have to go do, you know, another job. So that there's a couple big robbery scenes with some really good action. Mm-hmm. Um, some really, like clever heist stuff, but also like really good characters and how they interact, how like Jeremy Renner's like his brother, but Jeremy Renner's character is predictable in how unpredictable he is. Mm-hmm. Like you never know what he's going to do, but you know, it's going to be too violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also like Ben Affleck used to be hooking up with his sister who I, the big surprise for me, and this is Blake Lively mm-hmm. is really good in this. Really? I, all I know wow. is she's from what, what gossip girl or yes. Yeah. One, gossip one, girl's some, uh, excuse me, the green lantern. That's where she's from. Yeah. Met, her, met her husband. Yeah. yeah. No, all I know is like, oh, she's from some like CW teen girl show, but she plays the like young single mother who's a mother. bit trashy, but is also like, she's a good person, but she's a fuck up. Mm. And like drugs have made her dumb. Like mm-hmm. she is such believable. Like anywhere else in the country, we call it trailer trash. Mm-hmm. She is really good in this. I, I was so surprised. Okay. Cause so when I, I remember watching the town and she was the one part that took me out of it, honestly. Huh. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's because I watched so much Gossip Girl that I really <laughs> couldn't buy her as this character. Like, I felt like she was like, this is my big role where I'm going to be slumming it. But it's like, she's one of those people that's so impossibly beautiful, beautiful and glamorous mm. that like, it was like very hard for me to buy her in this role. And that mm. was literally like my only criticism of the town is like, I don't know that Blake Lively was the best choice for that. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and Cause it, yeah, it, I don't have that baggage. So I was just like, Oh yeah, I buy it. This yeah, is the like final the same way that yeah. Vera Farmiga. Cause I mean, I know when it came out, the town or yeah, the town had a lot of uh, comparisons with the departed. Mm-hmm. And well, obviously. It, like, 
I don't know why for me in my mind, like in comparing the two, I compared Blake Lively a lot to Vera Farmiga mm. in uh, The Departed. And I was like, it just doesn't work for me, mm. for her. Mm-hmm. But that's my only criticism. I loved the town. Yeah. yeah I just, oh man, so many good car chases are on those yep. narrow ass mm-hmm. brick lined streets. Yeah, they do a great job of making Boston look damn near like fucking Italy during some of those tight sequences. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and it is the last role of Pete Postlethwaite, uh, which is uh, oh, great. Hi, last Mohicans, so you, Mr. Kobayashi and the usual mm-hmm. suspects. Uh, yeah. Final movie. Ah, oh, he was so good. Yeah. It's, uh, I, it, I was worried. It's one of those like, well, I liked it at the time. Is it going to hold up? Liked it better. Awesome. Yep, it held up and then some. It's streaming on uh, Prime or Netflix, one of them. Yeah. If, yeah. So if you missed it in 2010, uh, honestly, I think I like it better than Argo, even. I, yeah. I should Ooh, say. to which yeah. I say, Argo, fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh, EZA but, is streaming anywhere anywhere you uh, USA is. So if you have Sling or cable, you can watch EZA. Yeah. I do. I do think that, like, I I like that. You know, this is kind of seen as like sort of a redemption arc for Ben Affleck, but I hate that he even needed it, honestly. Like he he made some not okay movies, but I do think that like a big part of his denigration or downfall, like mm-hmm. the where people didn't take him serious for a long time, like really came from his relationship with yes, J Lo, which I did. find mm-hmm. to be rooted in like misogyny. I think that's a that's a great that's a great transition from like the 10 years ago we talked about where we're willingly lapping up looking at these celebrities delights that they have from being rich to where in 10 years later, like Ben Affleck was resented for who he was dating. Yeah. And that, that they, that they bothered and, and that they bothered and not so much JLo, but that they bothered to be in movies together that didn't do well. They somehow sucked. Like none of these people are any less talented after having done two bad movies. <laughs> Well, and I think it's rooted in a place of that, like, J-Lo is not someone to be taken seriously because mm-hmm. she's a pop star, and so therefore we should not take Ben Affleck seriously, which none of those premises are real. Yeah, they're because all dumb. Ben, a- ben Affleck and J-Lo, but Jennifer Lopez, are both bona fide, talented stars. And everybody's got to fuck somebody. Yes! <laughs> well, sorry, asexuals, do not write me any letters. But... No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never really understood it either. Just because, like, e- even as like a, a what do you call it representation thing before Ben Affleck totally straightened his hair, I had never seen an actor, mainstream actor with curly hair since the seventies. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, hello, yeah. what about um, Elliot Gould? I know, and Gene Hackman. Elliot Gould, Angie Hackman, and. Um, Half the cast of TGIF's Friday line. Per- <laughs> Professor Malcolm from Jurassic Park. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Jeff now, Goldblum. now with Thank now with straight hair. By the way, I'm not going to make an issue out of this. It's just but curly short. hair it's not is straight. I'm just saying. Just saying, curly hair uh, not wanted. Not wanted. Uh, so this 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 is all about kinky hair pride. No, no, That's good for you. No, because I get it. Because yeah. like I can't do anything with my hair ever. But people with like straight generic hair can do whatever they want. They can yep. style it. They can comb it over. Holy shit! Did you read about the president's comb over? And that's the best revelation from that new book. That it's from the back <laughs> and then flips up mm-hmm. and then is tied in by the right side. Holy god! Is that a Physics wonderful? I just don't understand. That is fucking biological origami, like I've never heard of before. But <laughs> the town, we're rec- it's on Netflix. You can watch it on Netflix. Yeah, solid mm-hmm. recommend. And it's not just it is a dad movie, mm-hmm. but it's not. But you can watch it with your dad. Uh, moving to television of 2010 <laughs> on the 12th, My Boys has its finale, which I yeah. only um, 
even knew existed because it was TBS trying its hand at original comedies. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anybody on the cast, but uh, recently broken by the internet, Jim Gaffigan. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't he in this show? Yes, yeah. So I'm going to bat for My Boys. Hey! My Boys is great. It is a great situation comedy. Um, The story is is Jordana Spiro plays Penelope Franklin, a PJ. Her name's PJ in the show. She's a sports writer, and she's got, like, a group of dude friends that she pals around with, including her brother, who's Mm -hmm. played by Jim Gaffigan. And it's very funny and very sweet and very heartwarming. And nobody knew about it and nobody talked about it. It's very upsetting to me because I thought it was an extremely charming show. And it is the cast is full of, hey, it's that person. Um, Jordana Spiro is the female lead. And she is now one of the main people on Ozark. If you watch Ozark on uh, Netflix, she's very, very good on that. It took me a while to get figure out that's the connection where I knew her from because she plays such a different character on uh, an Ozark. But then of course we also have Jen Gaffigan. We have Reed Scott, who's also plays one of her friends who was in uh, Veep. We have Jamie Kaler, who is another, Hey, it's that guy that you've seen a million times before Michael Boonin and Kyle Har- Howard. All these people are like great journeyman actors that you see time and again, show up as like, recurring guest roles on situation comedies and dramas and they're always very good at what they do and my boys was just extremely charming extremely fun and i highly recommend it mm. I, I remember wanting to see it I, I i you know what no shit the guy i moved in with in 2007 had a promotional series of tbs it's funny magnets <laughs> and so there was like a my boys thing on our fridge for like a long time like hey, check that show out i don't know if cable but <laughs> but, but uh yeah it was on our fridge forever and on the 17th um for much older people as the world turns airs its final episode on cbs after 54 years and almost fourteen thousand episodes can you imagine i every time so you should watch one piece I'm like ah 600 episodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I can't start that. Nearly 14,000 episodes. Holy shit. One hour episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I find I don't, you know, obviously none of us want to watch this. I do find it a fascinating part of our pop culture and our, our, our progression as human beings, but also technologically that, like, I like it when a show, you know, was, we were looking at Andy Griffith on Netflix and like, oh shit, I forgot this like eventually went to color. So like mm. this thing, this thing saw like black and white color, stereo sound, widescreen, high definition. Like it saw yeah. all of those one television show. And, and, and I, when we, we, in the past, we've tried to look this up and just like, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know anybody who really ever watched soap operas because my mother worked. Um, there was a lady next door to my buddy's house down the street who had two Dobermans, never worked and only watched soap operas and let us fucking run around with her dogs. But like, I, I know who soap operas were for, but like, uh, women don't seem to be nostalgic for this shit. And like, no one's archived it. These exist nowhere. You can never revisit it. Is it worth revisiting if it's, there's this many episodes? I don't know. Like, but I would love to just, just pick a random one from mm-hmm. a couple different years. Just, I would, I would just love to find of, absolutely like yeah. Give me one from the first season. Give me one from like 1972. Because what did you what did you say about Law and Order? A thousand episodes would take you 41 consecutive days. Yeah. And so with this show. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was oh. not 1,300 episodes. This is, uh, yeah, 10 times as many. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so it took you over a year if you ran it without commercials and no 24 sleep. hours a day. And yeah, wow. like that. And, and so like I do wonder about, I don't know, like uh, soap operas. We don't need to explain soap operas, do we? Everyone yeah. knows what those were. And this is literally dropped because like the ratings were down, but like Procter and Gamble's like, we're not going to sponsor anymore because this isn't working. Yeah. Um, because demographics have changed because we don't have a lot of women staying home as much mm -hmm. as we used to, but either like, by choice or by necessity. So I, I'm a pop culture obsessed person. So it, I meant to mention with Cribs, did you know there's an alternate reality version of Cribs that you never saw on country mm -hmm. music television uh, that's just like MTV Cribs, but with no black people? Is it called Barnes? <laughs> no, it's called CMT <laughs> Cribs. <laughs> it's, it's looking at country music stars cribs because they're all they're all owned by the same cribs is owned cribs and country music television are all owned by the same people yeah like the idea that like there's a television show where like me as a man could never watch and like i, I never did see it as a little kid unless i was sick like because mm. there was no streaming at that point but like yeah the, the, a weirdo show meant to keep women watching commercials so it would have dramatic, yeah. stupid shit happen every couple of seconds. Yeah. I mean, all shows work like that. So it's not, I'm yeah. not shitting on women. Always, yeah. that, that sounds so nice, especially mm. like if, even now, you know, pandemic working from mm. home. It'd be fun to know like, oh, from one o'clock to two o'clock, let's just watch a continuation of the story I, from yesterday. I yes. It's I, not even a new episode. It's just a continuation still, of whatever happened yesterday. I still can't. Imagine that. Like, I am not watching three current shows right now. And, like, the idea that there are three soap operas on an hour every day, how is someone supposed to keep up with all that shit five days a week? Holy God. Sarah and I were talking about Ozark. I haven't finished Ozark. It's It's been weeks. <laughs> I've actually had to slow this family down from yeah. watching Ozark. Like, I, <laughs> I told Sam, I was like, we cannot, let's what, not watch Ozark for like two days so that we don't finish it. Because when we finish this season, we'll be sad. And it, yeah, we will. For our, <laughs> listener, for our listeners over, over 60, if you ever wondered why your wife stopped being uh, frenzied and hornied when you came home, we lost the show 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Panicked and horny. That's what the soap operas end up doing to you. Um, but yeah, remember they, they created a whole show, a whole channel to showcase soap operas that mm -hmm. sort of abandoned itself. Because no one really wants to watch this shit. It just, it's just insane. But like a 50-year-old institution deserves some respect. So hats off to As the yeah. World Turns. Um, I don't mean to shit on soap operas, but like. Uh, no, yeah. you shouldn't because Breaking Bad is a soap opera too. So Not necessarily. So mm -hmm. is soap, So is Sopranos. So is Six Feet Under. All your prestige television is a soap opera. No. No, yes, that's no. True. no, yes, no, 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 you're confu true. you're confusing yep. drama and arcs with people who do that every every 30 seconds. Uh, you don't think that soap operas have arcs? I do. Multi-season arcs? I like, do. Come on. But, but in terms of, there's a little thing called pacing here and people do that differently. When soap operas sort of don't. Like soap well, operas are, are like impenetrable. When you have a different timetable, your pacing will be different. The, the mo the but thing, if we're the talking thing, about drama, like soap operas... So proper is a term of art that mm -hmm. came from the way things were advertised. Not about soap opera doesn't refer to the way narrative yeah. is played out. Yes. It is it is not squeaky clean or slick or soapy. It is meant to advertise things that women will buy when their husbands are at work. 
like and, laundry detergent. Yes, mm-hmm. and in sponsored soap comes and, from. And literally, yeah. like like overwhelmingly, the same way cigarettes attacked prime time, and like everyone, that's literally what television is paved in terror and death and cigarettes. <laughs> it's it's fucking crazy. Uh, they did they did with with soap operas, but like there's still something grotesque, I think, in lower class about soap operas. I really do. Well, I think that comes from a place of misogyny. It's not from a place of misogyny. It's just that, like, it's so it's so silly. I but imagine trying to be a writer on a soap opera. It's gotta be a fucking nightmare. Enough shit. And and like, no way. That's what I'm saying. Sarah, on a writer on Breaking Bad, has like months to get this shit done. I do respect the idea that this dude's under crunch and has to have this episode done by tomorrow. And by the time the world realizes this episode sucks, there's no internet to like tell him that, and he's already <laughs> on to like the next fucking arc. It doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. just dispo- it's literally disposable. Which, which like mm. you know, I like things that are a little less disposable. And I would just say uh, examine maybe your biases as far as what programming is direct who pro- programming is directed towards. Mm. Um, when we talk about soap opera uh, storylines, we're talking about things that Girl. are unbelievable or coincidental or you know extremely dramatic. And if you don't think those adjectives can apply to your prestige television, Girl. I think you would need Girl. to examine your biases. Hey now, I'm not shitting on things ladies like because – Ladies like different things, and when ladies had options, they didn't watch this. Mm. They decided to turn the channel to other things. This shit was That's not a good. good. They, That's a they, good point. So, uh, yes, that was that was not my point to shit on things that that women held dear. I, I just my grand again only the lady next door with the Dobermans we'd play with. That was the only person I knew who like really needed to watch yeah. her stories. Don't bother me. Mm-hmm. Go, go directly into the backyard. Play with my dogs. Don't talk to me. That's and, a that's a and, very good point. And, the only thing, yeah. and I and I I agree with that. I would just also say that I think that if you had the chance and the access to watch soap operas at the mm-hmm. time, you wouldn't be like immune or or not at all to it. Not at all. You're like so much. You like ha- your tastes are so much higher. Not at all. Wait till so we, we we talked about MTV Skins. I couldn't help but get into it, and that was very soap opery. Oh, great! And, agree. And very soap opery. I love Skins because the I had no BBC other option. Because I'm very fancy. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anywho, speaking sorry. of MTV uh, Video Music Awards. Uh, no, speaking of MTV, I meant to transition into the 2010 MTV Video Music Awards, hosted by Chelsea Handler, hey. a woman I had never ever heard of. Until what? until I got free tickets to see her live. It it continues to be one of the most surreal experiences I've ever had in my whole life. She had a great opener, and then she came on and is a great stand-up, but her audience was the worst audience I've ever heard in my entire life. They were all a shitload of drunk women screaming references to her show that she had to oh. keep... Like, please stop mm. screaming Chewy at me. Chewy is not here. And, like, I'm looking at my girlfriend, like, who's Chewy? He's like, I don't know. We got these tickets for free. <laughs> and, and But Chelsea Handler was cool enough. She's like, oh, uh, my new book is out. I'm not plugging it. You bought the tickets. You all get a book. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> no one's ever done this before. So I have Chelsea Handler's signed book that she gives to everyone in this fucking amphitheater for buying tickets to her show. Not shitting on her, but her fa- it was like so bizarre. It was like being at a fish concert where people are screaming things. That, that, but uh, but even Chelsea Handler was like, please stop. Please stop. Everyone, please stop. Everyone. She had to like clap. Stop doing this. Anyway, I'm Aww. getting in the way of the MTV um, uh, Video Music Awards. 
This is my out of touch segment. Leave me alone. Huh. Uh, this is the uh, Lady Gaga meat dress. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Does it get eaten during a performance? And she cleaned up in this uh, meat dress one. <laughs> this year. Yeah. It's hard to clean in a meat dress, but she did Word. it. Yep. It's pretty greasy. But, uh, video of the year, best female video, best pop video. Mm-hmm. What else? What else? Uh, best dance music video, mm-hmm. best collaboration. Oh, my God. Best direction. Best choreography. Jeez Louise. This was the year of bad romance and telephone with Beyonce. So, yep. Big, big. Very big. Yeah. But I'm seeing uh, Florence and the Machine perform Dog Days Are Over, which is just like, that song is so excellent. It's Mm -hmm. fucking Mm -hmm. wonderful. Uh, Yeah. Best rock video, 30 Seconds to Mars, a band I have meant to try and listen to. Is that Jared Leto's band? Is that Jared Leto's (laughs) band? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. And it, it won against oh, okay. a bunch of other bands I would have voted for first. Florence Machine, MGMT, and Muse. Yeah, G- Lady Gaga really fucking... <laughs> yeah. The Black Keys yeah. win with, with Best Breakthrough Video. Wow. I, I've always sort of hated MTV's distinction. Like, we didn't say Best Song. Who heard... When did we say Best Song? We said Best Video. This is the Video Music Awards. So this is the best rap video. This is the best rock video, not the best song. Uh, so weird. And... Uh, I think I talked about it last week, but like that shit this year was fucking nuts. Fake laughter, right. fake crowds, uh, <laughs> fake everything. Sorry. Holy shit. I wish they had done it. It was embarrassing. Um, anyway, getting into the, that, that about wraps it up other than the games. And this makes me, I cannot wait to talk to other gamers about this. PlayStation Move launches this week. Oh boy. And Diana knows what that is. Sarah probably doesn't. Nope. Um, remember the Nintendo Wii came out and captured everyone's imagination? Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft, Xbox, uh, and Sony, PlayStation had to figure out a way to capture those people who were like enamored with the fucking moving wand. So the PlayStation Move launches. Every game sucks for it, but uh, I have never played with a controller so long from the previous generation. Uh, I played a VR game originally made for oculus the other day that requires these move controllers um they work great in vr which didn't exist yet and sarah knocked over all her cds sorry, and- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all my dashboard confessional cds <laughs> well i feel vindicated uh professor layton and the unwound future is also out this week uh space invaders infinity gene a game i have not heard of until right now i'm pissed because the space invader modern games are great ruse are dot u dot s dot e dot uh we'll talk to other professional gamers about that on patreon.com slash laser time as well as place uh fantasy star portable 2 on psp lord of the rings aragorn's quest uh which you have to remember there was a license for the lord of the rings movies and there was a license for the lord of the rings books meant to confuse people who wanted to (laughs) play as vigo mortensen which this is not it is not vigo mortensen's aragorn And then, of course, Halo Reach, uh, when I finally realized I don't want to work for gamers anymore. You were the worst <laughs> during this period. You uh, gave me and my co- like compatriots death threats for giving a game you've never played an 8 out of 10. Um, oh, that is God. the God. That's a passing grade. That uh, A podcast bit we uh, initially, like people started listening to us over, was me playing the Inception music over comments under the Halo review, which was like, you should lose your job and I hope you die. Halo reach an eight. Like it says eight says great under it. It, it. It's great. It's great. It's just not. Anyway, it's fuck, fuck gamers. Also pay to listen to the game show. I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. Like, 
<laughs> How am I supposed to do this? Where can you? Where can we find you, ladies? Ed. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at listening nerd L E C I N E N E R D or follow the show at thirty twenty ten podcast three zero two zero one zero podcast. And as promised repeatedly, and even during the nineteen ninety segment of this show, next week gonna go get your shine box. Shine box. Look, we tease it a little bit. We tease it a little bit. Like, mm, we tease it a little bit. Well, you think the teasing's funny? It doesn't matter. Does it use you? The teasing? It doesn't matter. Teasing's all profit. It doesn't matter. How thin do you slice the teasing? So it, uh, it melts. So it yep. melts in the Spotify. It, yep. <laughs> and on top of that... Um, Dude, go watch Goodfellas, everyone. Holy shit. Please, yep. if you've never okay. seen it, it's great. And on top of that, we got uh, maybe Cameron Crowe's most personal film. Ooh, is we're going to be on Is this untitled? Dang. It's Ooh. a big week. It's a big week, yo. Yes. And and keep an ear out for uh, Mark Barron's podcast intro. <laughs> it does happen within that movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, with that, again, thanking our executive producers, uh, patreon.com slash laser time. We got to get to the deaths and births. We'll tell you who died during this period, and we'll do a little quiz between me and Sarah conducted by Diana uh, about who was born during this period. Who died during this period, Diana? Oh, well, in 2000, we lost B. Richards, who was 80. I was, know her. I said that because, like, I do not want to pronounce this bay and be laughed at. I'm pretty sure it's B. What it up, bay? Be Bia. Yeah. Bay? Um, but she was, you would recognize her from, like, uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner or, oh, shit, what was it? Oh, she was, I think her last thing was actually in Beloved, mm-hmm. uh, like, two years before. Um, she love it, and she's uh, mine. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of she was on TV a bunch. Like she was a, a recognizable, like older uh, black actress, and I was just liked her her vibe. And then in 2010, we lost uh, new wave French filmmaker Claude Chabrol, who was 80. And this one hurts more. Kevin McCarthy, not the shitty representative, but the actor. <laughs> he was 96. He's the actor from Invasion of the Body Snatchers and also UHF. UHF, who played oh. exclusively shitty people all the yeah. time. And and uh, I was on a Joe Dante kick recently with my girl, and Kevin McCarthy is in like every Joe Dante movie. He's got a bit part. He pops up over and, and over. And, and over. the coolest thing, if you're a, a dork, and I somehow miraculously saw the Invasion of the Body Snatchers movies in order, meaning mm-hmm. not. I think there might be a sequel to one of them, but uh, there's been. It's one of the most remade movies ever ever made yeah. for for something that's exclusive to the medium of film. Kevin McCarthy is in the first one and when you see him in the second one, it is fucking wonderful. Because <laughs> because he, the look in his eyes is like I remember everything from the first movie and I'm the only <laughs> one who does. Um and then he's immediately murdered. But uh Kevin yeah. McCarthy fucking rules, one of the best bad guys of all time. If you've never seen him play good Invasion of the Body Snatchers and then anything from Joe Dante, Kevin McCarthy is awesome. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, miss you. Buddy. Not the representative. He sucks. Um, yes. He, the one who has no dignity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, negative amounts of dignity. Anyway, want to know whose birthday it is? Yes! Being yes. a lack of dignity, but of a birthday, he screams. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, birthday! Tell me my Virgos. <laughs> All right, here's someone with a lot of dignity. She's cool. I like her. Turning fifty this week, though. 50. Born. Fifty. Born September 11th, 1970. Never forget. Never forget. In Washington I'm D.C. Sure, she won't. <laughs> Uh, she studied electrical engineering before transferring to Howard to study acting. Hmm. Um, 
pay for college, she was a secretary at the Pentagon, and then she worked nights as a singing waitress. Huh? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. Later, she her her first public singing thing that she did uh, in a movie was singing on the Oscar-winning song "It's Hard Out There for a Pimp." Alicia Keys. No. Good guess, though. Okay. Yeah. Well, she was named one of Time's most influential people of 2016 and has a best-selling autobiography called Around the Way Girl, thus bringing up LL Cool J for a third time. Wow. <laughs> it's not Nora Jones? Um, it's not Viola Davis? Nope. Her Some of the films that she is in that we have talked about include she appears as left-wing student in The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> I yeah. never wanted to murder someone and take their role more. I, if that was the only <laughs> thing I ever did, I want to be left-wing student in the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. Have have Robert De Niro throw something at me from a different <laughs> studio. I don't care. <laughs> um, holy shit. All right. She's also in Smoke and Aces, The Family That Prays. Mm. Come on. Don't, What's don't it's, not Alicia, it's not Alicia Keys, is it? No. I already no, said that. that. Um, she pulled an Oscar nomination for Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Uh, Queen Latifah? Also, no. nope. Uh, I can do Bad All By Myself. Date Night and the Karate Kid remake. Oh, oh, oh. oh Jada Pinkett Smith? No. No, she's not no, 50. Um, you're, you're stuck on the name, aren't you? Yeah. Would, would it help if I mentioned her wins of the Critics, Critics Choice Award and Golden Globe Award for Empire? Yes, yes. It's Raji P. Henson. Yep, there it is. Ah, it was great. If you could have <laughs> seen the video, like, uh, like... We're recording remotely. Sarah looked like she was choking. Like yeah. <laughs> I wanted to she Heimlich was in, her. In oh, pain. <laughs> I can yeah. see her face. In, oh, yes, yes. What was the the yeah. movie I missed with her uh, mother? Something that came out recently. It looked good. It looked like a revenge oh. movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Proud Mary. Yeah, Proud Mary. That mm-hmm. was the one. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that that looked. Good in black exploitation. Yeah, I hope mm-hmm. it was because I could see her doing Pam Greer shit pretty easy. Oh yeah, yeah. And I just I love the image of her as a secretary in the Pentagon, and then later she's a, a hidden figures, and it's like mm-hmm. it's like she just kept walking down the same hall, but mm-hmm. now she's in a movie. <laughs> oh boy. Yep. So happy fiftieth birthday, to happy fiftieth. You're bir- awesome. Good job. She knows what men want, and yep. uh- <laughs> and they want this is an ass. <laughs> <laughs> Never works for that, me. That got memed for a while. That mm-hmm. clip from uh, from Empire. So it's, I tend to think of that whenever I think of the show Empire. Good, unfortunately, I haven't watched. Mm-hmm. I just think of now. This is an ass. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and thank you guys so much again patreon.com slash laser time is how you can support this show and the whole laser time network we do appreciate your contributions very very much Diana's giving us choice here I'm going to give it to Sarah because it was her birthday recently and Ooh, these are both yeah. terrible songs we, we have two two songs from 1990 now one is very well known Cherry Pie by Warrant which is yep. extremely 1990 but then I also listened to Fucking Up by Neil Young and Crazy Horse and you understand why Neil Young is the godfather of grunge. It's mm-hmm. a really good song. So yeah. I'm gonna whatever, you, to... whatever you don't pick, I'll probably just play next week. So Yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh, Fucking Up by Neil Young and mm. Crazy Horse because mm, I love Neil Young. Yeah, Cherry Pie is kind of gross. Speaking so. of uh, doing doing <laughs> things for uh, for special schools, Neil Young in the Bay Area, like I've never gotten those tickets, oh, yeah. but my ex did. And got to see like Eddie Vedder perform with Chris Cornell and Neil Young as a for a benefit for his child's school. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's yep. astonishing uh, that that happened. And I missed it, and I'll never see it again. 
I would have yep. chosen the Captain Planet theme song, which we never played. <laughs> <laughs> He's a hero, but you'll have, maybe we'll play it next week. Uh, and I think we already l- unlocked a huge tease from next week. I, to me, it's one of my favorite movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in my top mm. ten, if not the top five. Uh, I, yeah. I know, I know that makes me a, a, a basic boy, but mm-hmm. uh, but it's I watch it. My my girl's obsessed with it. She's a little younger. It works. It's a really good movie, and I think it reframed how movies were made, like how yeah. narratives were structured. And it was kind of a reset, I think. I, I think I think television resembles movies from 1990. Mm-hmm. Goodfellas resembles what a modern movie should look like and how fast you should tell a story. You need to shoot a lot of sequences very fast over mm-hmm. someone talking. And great mm-hmm. montage. Great montage. It's it feels oh, like yes. a lot of great montages. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch that. Watch that movie. Be informed, um, and of course, most anyone quoting it to you probably sucks. But, mm-hmm. but watch yeah. that. Well, Goodfellas, it's the thinking man Scarface. Yeah, <laughs> Scarface is the worst. It doesn't take much to be the thinking man Scarface. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll get into it because. Uh, oh man, I love. <laughs> I also love Goodfellas, and looking back at it in the context of the time, like we've been doing, is really interesting. Yeah. So. Next week, bitches. From a guy who didn't make music videos. And, uh, yes, the better My Blue Heaven. We'll talk about that next week. Take us out, Neil Young, and your crazy horse. (laughs) 